Yo, people always ask me what kind of frames I'm rocking. I've been rocking Caddis for a couple years. They make amazing progressive readers, which I wear. Also, they make sunglass readers, anti-glare, anti-smudge coating, anti-scratch, and anti-aging. That's why I look mad young when I wear them. I'm just kidding. Um, but they make amazing frames. Caddis, so stoked to have you guys part of the podcast. You can go to caddislife.com slash Toby10 and get $10 off your first purchase. Stoked. Thank you, Caddis. Welcome to the fam. Yo, yo, Liquid Death. Thank you so much for hydrating all my guests taking care of me and my family and my friends. Love your water. Love your brand. Love what you stand for. Love you give back to the community. If you want to learn more about Liquid Death and how it started, listen to episode 115 with the co-founder, owner, and creator of Liquid Death, Mike Cesario. Just a punk rock skateboarding kid from Delaware with a dream. It's an incredible story, incredible journey. They have now blessed me with my own code. So if you go liquiddeath.com slash Toby, you get free shipping on any items you order from liquiddeath.com. Thank you so much, Liquid Death. Death to plastic, murder your thirst, stay hydrated. You know H2O saves lives. I quit coffee one year ago. I'm talking to myself. All the listeners, you know I talk about coffee all the time. I quit one year ago, and now I'm on day three back on coffee. I've almost shat myself twice. I'm feeling jittery. I'm feeling dehydrated like I've been saying. That's why I don't do this shit, but it just tastes so good going down. Um, I'm going to shout out my my sponsors and never do that. Sure Microphones, Beats by Dre, Liquid Death, um, and Caddis Eyewear. Anyway, in my kitchen right now, a longtime friend. Met this dude many, 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 many years ago. And we've toured together. We've crossed paths throughout the years. He lives in California. Obviously, that's why he's in my kitchen. But I I don't want to fuck up his last name. I'm just going to say welcome to the podcast, Billy Bio. (laughs) Welcome to the podcast. How do I say your last name? Think of the dude on Flatbush Spin the Pie. Grazie day. Grazie day. There. Perfect. Okay, welcome to the podcast, Billy. Grazie day. Yep. It's such a crazy spelling, too. It's almost yeah. like Gracie, and that's it's kind of weird. It's it, interesting. It actually, it means grace of God, actually. It does. Yeah. So <clears throat> so you're Italian. Yep. And Irish. Italian and Irish is a sick yep. mix. Yeah. Some straight New York shit. Northern Ireland and Southern Italy. I love Okay, so so today is actually the release of your record today. Dude, I came Your right here. Your second solo record, right? I didn't even kiss my wife goodbye. I came right over here. <laughs> <laughs> um, my second release. Yeah, second record. And I'm on the song One Life to Live. It's interesting because you sent me that. Tr- We're going to get into your history, <clears throat> but you sent me that track over the pandemic. You're like, just spit some shit. Like, just, just talk your shit, whatever. And I just talked on it. And then when I got I was like, oh, shit, this is almost like a song. It, it was, was cool. perfect, dude. It's super DIY style. It, it, it was perfect. Okay. It was weird to put that together, right, during the pandemic. Yeah. I come down. I'm like, no. We can't get together. <laughs> yeah, the whole world shut down. You have that studio still, too, right? Yep. Stu- yeah. Yeah. No studio in your house, though, right? No, in, in Gardena. Okay, yeah. yeah You've yeah. had it for it a made, long time. I did. And that was a saving grace for me for um, not just this record, but the new Powerflow record. But yeah, it was my own place. So they couldn't, even though they weren't letting us travel or supposedly you couldn't travel. Yeah. And nobody was working. It was still my own place. So it's like going to my bedroom, but yeah. in Gardena, you know? Did you have to wear a mask in your own place? No. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's crazy because the last tour that I've done yeah. and you've done was fucking two years ago in January. The Persistence Tour, which was kind of a joke on the tour. Like, this tour is so amazing. I don't care if this last tour I do, blah, blah, blah. And it became that. It was. It's fucking crazy. It was so fun. Like, everybody hanging out every day, every night, just like singing along, jumping on stage. It was just, damn, bro. Yeah. That, I wish we could do that again. The same tour. 100%. 100%. In the States. In the States, yeah. 10 cities, yeah. all major cities. Yeah, because it's like those Dude, tours never happen in the States. I know somebody can make that happen. Okay. If they're listening, you know who you are. Um, but yeah, I mean, that tour was fucking... 
it was just perfect how many shows it was where the shows were everybody on the different buses like yeah it was, it was beautiful <clears throat> dude it, it was it was awesome and then it, life just stopped if that, after that like you said if that had to be the last thing we did Cool. I'm kind of cool with it st- at yeah. this point right now. I'm kind of cool with them. I go, hey, okay. we haven't been on tour. You did. Oh, you guys played a couple shows, like yeah. five shows last year. But, but that's yeah, five more than most everybody else. Yeah, but now all my tours from 2020 are supposed to happen this summer. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I'm not thinking about it. So the one thing I taught myself during pandemic was like, don't stress about things I have no control over. Whatever I can handle right now, I do that now. So I just stayed in my podcast zone. You know, I mean, stay in my little world and stuff. Yeah, you know, that's the that's key, key to life. Yeah, you know. I don't want to stress about shit. Um, yeah, yeah. So let's go back. So, I mean, obviously, Biohazard, we know that. Was that your first band? Or was there a band before that? No, it was a, uh, a couple bands. I actually, I almost was playing guitar for Breakdown. Wow. <laughs> I never told you that story? No, you hear it first. How All right. So, um, they, Drago, I think Drago was a guitar, Drago. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he split, mm-hmm. and Richie was a singer, right? No. Oh, uh, no. Um, Jesus, fucking, his name right down there. We're such posers. We're such a poser right now. Sorry, everybody. No, listening. you know him. We, I know the singer's name. Yeah, it's, it's not. It's not Joey though. No, we get that Google out, son. <laughs> um, so he, so him and I were friends. We used to hang out at Breakdown's great, by the way. Having it, yeah. Um, we know the singer's name. Was gonna. I know it's gonna pop up. That's the great thing about Google. <laughs> we, we pretend that I'm not, I don't have my phone actually. Um, I type in Google looking for Breakdown. <laughs> I, I typed in Google. What an idiot. Um, <laughs> All right, so we used to hang down at Avenue A in the park. Yeah. And friends, and somebody said, oh, he's looking, for, you know, like he's a guitar player. I'm like, I play guitar. He goes, oh, cool. Do you know our music? I'm like, fuck yeah. Yeah. And then I got it all down tight, called him up for a rehearsal, you know, for a tryout. And he's like, dude, I, you know, guitar player's going to come back. I said, what? And I remember I said this to him. I was like, fucking, you know, a punk rock hardcore kid. And I was like, you're not even going to try me out? And I said this to him. Offended. I said, dude. I wasn't I wasn't confident enough to be offended, but I was I felt I was like bummed out. So I said to him, "Yo, yo I could be like the next Jimi Hendrix, and you're not even gonna try me out." <laughs> Holy I shit! Never became even close. That was Bobby's <laughs> department. Um, but he, so it never happened. Mm. And then soon after that, I met Evan, and uh, he was working at Crazy Eddie down on Sixth Avenue, and I was oh, at yeah, yeah. a place called Flip, which was on A Street and Sixth Avenue. And then we just, a buddy of mine there was introduced me to him and said, I know this kid needs a guitar player. And then, uh, and that's it. Yeah. Were you, were you going to shows already? Like on your own? Oh yeah. yeah. Coming to the city? Yeah. Cause you, oh, there you, was another band. I started with, who was the kid? L- wasn't there a drummer, Luke, Lukey from Warzone? Yeah. Him and I. Lukey Luke. Yeah. I think it was. He might have had a band already. I just saw him not too long ago. And I should have asked him about it. He had like another band back then. When did I see him last? I don't know. Gorilla Biscuits on the tour we did two years oh, ago. Oh, that's, right, that's right. <laughs> I never asked him about it. I forgot him. You should have. I just because I just remembered. Yeah. Um. Anyways, so breakdown singer. Um. Was, so you were, you were born in Brooklyn, right? Born in Boston, raised in New York. Yeah. Whoa. Nobody knows that. Boston. I was born in Taunton, Massachusetts. Holy that's crap! Why I you like loved your ass. You're like Guru Gangstar. That's what he did. He moved to New York from Boston. Yep. Holy shit! So you're born in Boston. Breakdown. It's coming up as Tom Petty. Oh my god! Just put this dude breakdown NYHC. Yeah, I know. So With such morons, you look like such posers on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know his name either. I forgot his name. One of the name, best. Though. Pretty hard band though. Pretty amazing man. Yeah. Um, if you guys don't know him, you you probably know him. So born, Jeff, it's Jeff. Jeff, I'm so, sorry, Jeff. We love you, Big man. Jeff, yeah. Shout out to Breakdown. So you were born in Boston, Massachusetts. Boston, Massachusetts, Cambridge. 
Wow. My pop worked at, he went to, um, he went to BU and mm-hmm. then worked um, at a, you know, we know the hustle is being a parent. I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll sell fucking paper clips to feed my kids. I don't care. Totally. He worked at, all through school, he had three boys. We're all like, I, you know, Italian, Irish twins, like 11 months apart. Yeah. So three of us, the oldest ones, he had three of us in Boston and uh, worked at the local grocery store. And I remember when I was old enough to understand like money and how things work, he would work not for money, but for groceries. So my, my mom, his wife would, uh, of course his wife, but she would go <laughs> and she would get once a week, she would be able to go shopping and she could spend as much as that he earned. And that's yeah. how they got paid. He probably got a kickback, got a little discount or whatever, but that's like, that's hard. Wow, man. That's so, like working at Ladies and John's in Brooklyn and getting free yeah. pizza to bring home to your kids And so you, every you, night. you have siblings? Yeah, f- there's five of us. Holy shit. Yeah. Uh, five, like not... Uh, five boys and one, and we have one stepsister who's a s- sister. Wow. So yeah. w- 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 where were you in the middle? Were you oldest. Wow. So you're the oldest. Yeah. Kind of makes Damn. sense. So how long <laughs> did you live in Boston for? Three, three years. Oh, so you weren't even going to school or nothing like that. You're too young. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. So then you go move to Brooklyn, and why Brooklyn? Why'd you guys no, go there? No, 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 no. There's a whole next? whole gap. So let's get it. So I I move, we move from Boston to Ansonia, which is New Haven. Okay, yeah, yeah. For a bit, my poppy went to Yale, finished his doctorate there. That's amazing. And then we moved to upstate New York. Okay. Which is like fucking right by the Canadian border, a place called Plattsburgh. Plattsburgh. Okay. It, it's Shout like, to Plattsburgh, bro. It's Montreal. Okay. Right? Okay. So I, we used to hang out at a club called Fufon Electric. Remember? I know that. Yeah, we yeah. played. Yeah, yeah. And another place called Lost Horizon. Lost Horizon. I, in Syracuse. No, no, not that one. That's okay. a cool place too. Okay. Okay. Lost Horizon in Montreal, right on on Saint Catherine, like the main thing. Okay. It was the CBGBs of of uh, uh, of like Montreal. Okay. Fufon was awesome. It Fouf, was a yeah. famous place. But uh, anyways, that was like the punk. That's that was the hardcore punk rock stuff. Pretty much a scene that I that I yeah. that in Albany. So in Albany we'd go QE two, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, but before that there was another hardcore place and Dave. Sorry, Dave, okay. Dave Stein was the promoter there. Albany style records. That's right. Yeah. Wolfpack. Whatever you think. Yeah, label. Wolfpack. Yep. Holy shit. And then so that's where I, um, uh, Jesus, I'm trying to remember the Ice Iceman, uh huh, with Richie, uh huh, came. They had True Blue, a song called True Blue. Yep. That was probably. 80 mid 80s we're the same age right i'm fi- I'm about to be 52 i'm 42 yeah get the fuck out of here <laughs> yeah you look great there I'm, I'm, uh-huh. fi- I'm 53 okay but thank you, you so yes yeah, so you grew up too. the same t- okay Clean so living. liquid death yeah <laughs> so what was your what was your exposure to punk rock and hardcore at that time was it in high school or before that high school and i remember i, I was in love with the two like childhood crushes okay. this girl named joy and she was like a death rock girl and Sick. i was like oh it was like right out of like pretty and pink Nice. She was like the cool. She's like she came into school and she was a Latina girl, and I was like, "Whoa, this girl's cool!" And she turned me all this great music, like, like Susan the Banshees, Joy Division. So that was my first thing, and then then I stepped it up and got harder with Sex Pistols. Nice. <laughs> but then right from there, it was like I like how that was minor harder. Threat, right yeah, Minor Threat. Ramones was a little bit there. Yeah. And then so I had a band called uh, Museum of Corruption. Sick. That was like. A really shitty version of uh, of Green Day. Okay, pre Green, way before Green. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Way, way before Green Day. Okay, and then um, and the singer of that band 
Chris Jeruzzi was. It's probably too much. No, no, people love this shit. Yeah, yeah. Because I never talk. People don't. People never ask me. Well, I'm asking you. I'm like they like you go up to Europe. I know I was born in Boston. No, I love. They this never shit. say well what happened between born and. You know. This deep dives on here, bro. Let's yeah, it's a real deal. So, um, <laughs> when our mom passed when we were kids, I, I skipped a couple things. That was a really crazy thing for my life, and it yeah, turned me dark. We were I was like 15. Damn. And. So my, I watched my brother who was five and it was like they got divorced and she got cancer and beat it and then she died of leukemia. Jesus, it's devastating. Man. And that's when I got Sorry, that's crazy. really dark and then moved to the city, um, had the band and then found, and then beginning biology. But the, the early days, like it was fuck, it was heroin and fucking speed and rolling, to, you know, it was, you know. That was you? Yes. Yeah, so what? Was, How old were you? 18. You were doing heavy drugs. Did you graduate? Did you just? Yeah, 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 yeah. I was. I left. I did a year at school, jumped around a little bit, and then. But the whole time was beginning about before biohazard. Biohazard. We were. I was still like probably doing. We were all pretty bad at the beginning, like math. Devin didn't talk about this. No, no. Oh. It's okay. Right, Whatever. Okay. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> he didn't. Maybe. Maybe I don't remember. Okay. So, um. That's insane. It was a lot of yeah, like the beginning of biohazard. We didn't. That's I. I think. And being a, such a fan of New York hardcore, yeah. we weren't accepted in the hardcore scene. I always wonder if that's why, because we were more metal kids, and we were also not up, like positive. And yeah. even though I liked a lot of those bands, Minor Threat, even during her, using heroin, was still one of my favorite bands. Yeah, yeah. But I got so deep into the darkness of, of losing my mom, I blamed myself, my brothers, because we were all like. We were poor and yeah. there was no money. Even though my father was a like a PhD, yeah, it was tr struggling. To, you know, five kids in the seventies was fucking rough for sure. Yeah. So, anyways, um, were you a then, good kid before that? Did I what? Were you like a good kid before that? Before that happened, or you went on just a bad path? No, I started smoking weed uh, eighth grade. Okay, my, my son's age. Okay, seventh grade. Okay, yeah, because we went, we, we left school and went to this. This, there was a school on. I, I never talked about this. This is pretty awesome. Dude. Thank go. you for asking. <laughs> <clears throat> so um, I went to the school. Like they separated. There was an Air Force base. Okay. In in town, and they separated everybody. That was like became the middle school. And I don't know what happened before then, but we were like a trial thing, and they they created this crazy schedule where they stalled. I think it had something to do with the buses, but you didn't start until eleventh. 11 o'clock in the morning oh wow that's good so and your parents leave at eight and you're just hanging out so you sleep late you had to get responsible to get up okay but my buddies friends would come over and then somebody turned us on to weed and what i could i stole this from my older brother we were seventh grade and i started we'd smoke weed before school which wow i hope my kids don't listen because you know, <laughs> they they know i'm a you were a kid man yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. but wow lie to your kids <laughs> lie until they're 21 and then you can tell them the truth you know that's uh -huh. a, I, that's I, that's a better way because especially because there's so much shit. How can you say, don't you know? I got a crazy story about drugs with my daughter when she asked me about weed. How old is she? She's 19 now. Oh, okay. She's got a band, not as cool as your boy, but stop. She's, she's badass, cool, but okay. the band is, you know, your boys. But I just told the story yesterday. Somebody was asking do you today, this morning, another interview. He was asking me, um, and I was telling about you guys how you took your son all over the. He's been yeah. all over the world. That's a drummer. Yeah, and he's badass. He asked if if my kids would if I were to take them to. I'm like I never thought of that. Toby does it. I said it'd be awesome. I said if it ever happens, it's it's your uh, it's your catalyst. <laughs> it's nice to take around and see the world and stuff. It's more they learn from school. I think like, yeah. get, like seeing the different cultures yeah. and stuff. We all we do is yeah, 
exactly. Which is the beauty of life. Yeah. You know, I love that. My daughter asked me one day, and we were responsible parents. You know, I watched totally. uh, raise your kids and your, your son, but you kind of have all these things planned out. You, you, you got a good relationship with your, your spouse. You talk about things. How are we going to talk about sex? How are we going to talk about drugs? How yeah. are we going to talk about alcohol? How are we going to talk about racism? How are we going to deal with things that are important to us and, and help raise them? So we had it all planned out. So I thought. <laughs> I come home from soccer practice, and I was like to coach my daughter's team. And, and she said, uh, hey, I got a question. I'm, we're in the driveway. She said, uh, if, I had to, if you had to choose, and I came home you know, one night, and I was drunk, or high on pot, what would it be? I'm like, I don't do either, so you know. The answer is, you know what the answer is. Because no, no. If somebody like put a gun to your head, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, holy fuck. <laughs> I, I had it all planned out. This She's throwing a curveball. Yeah. How, how am I gonna, what am I, what am I going to say? Yeah. And I, so and I'm like, listen, I said, you know my answer. My answer is, you know, stay away. You don't need to. It's because y'all. And I'm like, okay, she needs an answer. I got to come. I'm like trying to hustle. What am I going to think? I'm just <laughs> crunching shit in my head. So I said, remember when you were a kid, before we came to California, you wanted to go to Cyclone. You wanted to go to Coney Island. You wanted to get on the, on the, the rattly old wooden Cyclone. Yeah. And we waited for like 45 minutes to get to the front of the line because you wanted to go to the front. And then you chickened out. No problem. It was cool. We waited until you got your nerve up. We did it again. And you... Three times we left, went back home, and you never went. She goes, yeah. I said, but remember when you came here and you finally went? She goes, yeah. I said, remember how crazy it was? She goes, yeah, it was awesome. I said, and then like a month later, you went with your friend to Knott's Berry Farm, and you told me you went upside down? She goes, yeah. I said, it was crazy, but it wasn't as crazy as the first time, right? And she goes, yeah. I said, but then you went another one, and it went triple flips and backwards and twisted. But it was never like the first time. I, and she goes, yeah. And I'm like, that's what drugs and alcohol do. It's great. It's You can never get that first experience. No. And it's that's the danger. That's why it's a giant slippery slope. And you, you you always look for that same experience, but it's never the same. Yeah. I said, that's why I don't do it. I said, yeah. because it's dangerous. I lost so many friends. I said, you don't need to. Yeah. So I'm like. I'm like patting myself on my back. I'm like, I gotta remember this. I gotta tell my friends that have kids. (laughs) So she goes, okay, cool. I said, cool, let's go inside, dinner time. She goes, no, no, but you didn't answer me. Damn, man. I'm like, fuck, she wants an answer. So I'm like, all right. I'm like, I gotta pick something. She wants me to pick something. My wife is Brazilian. My daughter is born in Brazil. She said, so they have a saying, and and it's basically, it's rough translation is he who... um, he who drinks doesn't own his own his ass. Doesn't own his ass. Derek, okay. no, Derek knows. I'm sure, Derek knows. Derek, yeah. So, um, so basically, means if you're drunk, you don't have any control of your ass, and you know, <laughs> you keep, someone would rob you or fuck you mm, or whatever. Got you. So it's a common saying, and she knows. it. So I said it in Portuguese, and now I don't even remember because I, I told the story a few times. But, um, que o bambado now own cu or something like that. Now, okay. Um. So she. So I said it to her, and I said basically, if if you are if you're drunk, you're going to make decisions that you'll always regret. And you're not, you're not 100%. with that. I said, and basically if something happens to you and you're, you smoke pot, I said, you might laugh. You might eat something that you probably normally wouldn't eat. So if it had to be something and you really need an answer, it would probably be pot. Yeah. And I was like, she was like, okay, cool. That was it. That was it. Yeah. How old was she again? When she, what's happened? Way older than I was. So she was probably 15. Oh yeah. 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 
Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing, man. He's going to lead by example, man. You do our best, right? Yeah, of course, 100%. It's crazy because it, it's we, modeling. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because we don't own our children. We made them, we raised them, and then they're free to go. Yeah. And that's the scary part. That's just like. It's scary and beautiful because through our, our kids, it's like cloning ourselves. Yeah. You, you don't want to clone them to think and be the same exactly. as you. Mm-hmm. But our, we, by modeling and being good role models, yeah. they kind of carry our values on, you know? 100%. My, my daughter said there was. Um, when, when everything was popping off of BLM, there was a, a couple of crazy things that happened. But she, they caught her teacher, um, her and her homegirls caught a teacher. They were putting up posters and they were doing a, a demonstration in, in El Segundo, which is notorious besides the awesome, you know, um, Tribe Called Quest tribe song. Out. Yeah. Um, the, uh, <laughs> it had notorious issues of racism, like, yeah, like yeah. super white and working class. And it's got super diverse and way better since then in, in the past 30 years. But um, they were putting up posters and they were bringing you know, attention to the, the, to the issues and they were organizing this, um, this event. Yeah. So they, they happened to film one of the teachers from the school ripping a poster down. They what? zoomed in, and the look on it's, it's, it's I'm going to try to describe it, but wow. she was like, made this grimacing face, and she was like, like as if she was saying, not in my town, or my wow. neighborhood, and ripped it down, and they blasted it all over the internet. Holy shit. Went to the school, because this, this teacher had made my, my daughter, I found out later, had made my daughter feel uncomfortable about something, something all just happened to her and a boy, some okay. shit. And then, but a lot of her friends, they made her feel, they made them feel uncomfortable because they were black and she was this white old school El Segundo family that had watched El Segundo change from what they thought was the How it's perfect supposed to, little yeah. Mayberry town. Pleasant but that's girl. life. That's it's evolution. Yeah. And so. You put it on blast on the internet. Yeah. And I was like, damn. Go, you go for it. And so <laughs> she, she knew where I stand, how I support, but. She had said to me, and I, she watched me support and share some things that I found in the, that people were posting and sharing around. And there's one thing she asked me to to, to uh, share. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not into that. She goes, what do you mean you're not into it? How can you say that? I was like, no, no, you know my belief, but I'm not for, de- and not to go political, but I'm not for defunding police. I said, mm-hmm. where we own property, where taxpayers I have my personal belief. I said there needs to be law and order. There's not, I have a lot of friends that are cops, but I also have a lot of friends that, and I grew up in the street. I understand both sides, mm-hmm. but you got to have balance and there's assholes on the streets and there's assholes in the police force, but not everybody's an asshole. Mm-hmm. And that, and so I went there and, and, and she was just fighting me as a strong young yeah. feminist she, yeah. she's an awesome woman so she said ah, blah, blah, blah. she's going off she goes you should just share it I'm like listen let me tell you something I said <laughs> I do more for changing the world than any of your fucking friends parents and I cursed around her she goes she, I got her attention she's like oh yeah like what what do you mean and I said I raised you she's like what do you mean you raised me I said I did every, and I do everything I can to help make the world a better place and and with within my own hands my own reach yeah. my music just talking, interviews, blah, blah, blah. But I raised you, and you're helping change the world for a better place, and that's empowering. Totally. I empowered you, and you make your own choices, but I know that you're going to do the right thing that, to help make the world a better place, as is your brother. So now I just added, I just tripled myself. Yeah, You're not a clone of me. You're your own person, but you're fighting for the goodness of the world. Yeah, you know, Not it's making amazing. it a worse place. And she looked at me, and she never asked me to share another post. Wow. I was like... That's fucking amazing. Yeah. 
And that's and that's she all. She still from, busts my balls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I'll get to that later, but for sure, like for sure, like that's that's all the morals and beliefs and stuff we got from punk rock and everything about speaking yeah. our mind, standing up, all that that we instilled in our children. Yeah. You know, it, you know what? That's key because I, I, you were talking about modeling and being a good role model. Yeah. Our role models were these, you know, Anne McKay, like people who. Yeah. Asked, um, uh, I wanted. Um, what's his name? Jello Byer for Dead Kennedys. Uh, yeah, Jello was, was great very too. political for me yeah. at a young age. I learned a lot. Yeah, he, uh, Ian McKay, um, Kevin Seconds, Kevin Seconds, Woo! PMA move that whole Woo! thing. He, Bad brains, all oh, that, dude. It, yeah, it's it was so in a world where we felt like we didn't belong. It gave us a place for belongingness and having these father Family. figures that we probably didn't have. Yeah, or we yeah. wanted to. Yeah. So your parents weren't really. It was hard for them to be strict. Were they strict when you were living at home as a kid? Ultra strict. Yeah, with I'm, grades and everything. Um. Yeah. My my. I was always an artist. My father knew that. Um, studied piano since I was six. Piano. So, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. That's my first, my main instrument. But he, I think, being so educated and yeah, it crazy. was a big important thing. When I dropped out of school, Ooh. he was like, "What music's a hobby? You can't do it for a living." So he he supported me with his heart. But I think, you know, he he until in the mid '90s, I bought a place in Utah. So we were on I tour. remember that. You remember that? If yeah. So, uh, we were on tour with Sick of It All, early 90s, came through. We were I was on that we tour. On the tour. <laughs> yeah. I remember you loved it there, you bought a place. Yeah. So I, we, I remember pulling out and we remember we looking around. It was like 360 degrees, these beautiful, it was, it was beautiful. It's mountains. beautiful there, man. Yeah. And then it was the straight edge scene, everything about it. I was like, well, this is pretty cool. And I have a lot of Mormon friends, but that was a little weird to get used to. Yeah. But the, um, anyway, so Your I dad, think it was yeah. then. So I flew him out. The whole family out for a Christmas, you know, vacation once, and then he was like, "Wow, you, you can, you're really doing this." Make money I, was, doing I told this. you, I'm yeah. going to make it with the music. Yeah, and that so that first band I told you about, stop me if no, no, that's uh, great. If I'm going too far off, no. So that band, Museum of Corruption, all the guys in the band, they were like, ah, "We want to focus on our studies." I'm like, "Fuck that, man! We're making <laughs> something cool." We, you know, we had songs about Reagan and and war, cartoon death, Tuborgs and Skittles. <laughs> <laughs> when the beer, the drummer was a big Tuborg and Skittles drink Tuborg. It was a beer called Tuborg. Okay. Beer. Anyways, <laughs> so when they split, I'm like, guys, trust me, we're gonna play fucking CBGBs one day. And they're like, what? No way. I'm like, I'm gonna fucking do it. Either you're with me or not. And Chris, the singer, and I, I'm friends with all those dudes, but him and I stayed really close. Yeah. He eventually finished school, went out to law school, became a lawyer, and now he's a fucking judge in Utica, New York. Holy shit. So, but he kept his ideals. He's he, Yeah. He's still the same dude that I fell in love with when I, we were kids. Yeah. Great guy, hardcore ethics, changes the world in his way. Yeah. And I remember my father said, and you probably heard some similar things. He said to me, um, one day my, he was driving, you know, driving down the street, my brother, and um, he almost got like he almost hit this kid on a skateboard, and my father pulls over and he's like, "Fucking fucking fucking kid, uh, he's got a fucking green mole. Like, what is a kid? What what does fucking parents think?" And my brother goes, "Hey pop, that was Billy." <laughs> and so my father he reached out and I wasn't living. I left home for a bit. Wow. And he reached out and took me out to eat. He's like, "What do you want to do with your life?" Just like you know, like the classic thing. Yeah. And I'm like, I I don't know, pop. I just I, I I hate everything about the world. I got a lot of anger inside of me. I don't believe in you know. I, I don't. God let me down when mom passed. I don't. I said the same thing. My dad passed yeah. too, man. Same thing. Yeah. It's impactful. Yeah. Um. 
and he's like, he goes, I, you have all these strong views, but no one's ever going to listen to you. I'm like, what do you mean? I don't care. I don't want to be a part of society. Fuck the world. <laughs> and even though I was like, I, I had more positive views. Because, yeah. But for him, I was projecting this negative thing. Totally. And I t he said, you're the outsider. No one's ever going to listen to you. I said, I don't I want them to. But he kept drilling that in my head. He goes, you got to find some, some way to take that energy and try to make a little bit of difference or turn that into something where people listen to you. Because as an outsider, you're always going to be an outsider yeah because you got a green mohawk at the time whatever you got a, a leather jacket with spikes and a american flag torn up and graffiti with fucking fang and flipper shit he didn't understand it <laughs> to me it was everything yeah but to him i was just i was like his kid who he's a doctor he was like he's not even yeah. close to my path he always loved me and supported me god love him he just had a birthday the other day but he um so those words rang and then 10 years later or whatever we're on Warner Brothers, and and I'm like, suddenly more people listen to us. And as we, you and I found music, yeah, people listen to us. We're like, wow, we can make a small little change, even if it's one person. I could share something about my life, and I started realizing people were relating to what I was, what not just me, but the, yeah. all of us in Biohazard were singing about. Yeah, and, and it made a small change, small dent, but his words rang loud. Yeah. And I, you tried it. I, I told my kids in different ways what he passed on to me. And in that conversation, what I just mentioned about my daughter. Yeah. It's powerful. Totally. And this generation, our kids, they, they are the loudest. Like this song we did together. Like it, yeah. your podcast, like the whole, it, I love that aspect element of every generation. It's the kids who are like, you only live once. And, and each generation more seems like they're, the more they're fed up, the louder they scream. Yeah. They set shit on fire now. I know. That's, that's great. I fucking love that. I know. I'm all for law and order. I'm not for destruction of, of personal property. Fuck with IBM. Go after the big corporations. Mm -hmm. I've always been like an MDC kind of guy. but MDC. Yeah. But the the that element is like, a, um, like, remember when France had the yellow jackets? They were, when France, like some countries when they protest, they go, fucking crazy and yeah, they, the hard. government has to listen maybe they pacify them but they listen yeah um whereas in russia what's going on now not to go heavy political but it's it seems like they're like people i, I posted all my solidarity with ukraine half of bio is from ukraine yeah danny and bobby's um danny and evans ancestors from ukraine even without that i still support always the, the, the oppressed from the oppressor yeah. um but I, I started um, posting stuff and I still do and I started losing all these followers. I'm like, who the fuck is going to unfollow somebody who's for peace? That's <laughs> yeah. against that shit. Yeah, against I war. Did, yeah. I did, you know what? Good riddance. If if that's how shallow you are, I don't, I don't need you. Yeah. I don't, I don't need your support. No. You know what I mean? And I, I want Then I listen to your lyrics anyway. Yeah. I'm like, what where I Yeah. It's crazy, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I can, I know there's, I, I, I've never met anybody who's pro-war. I don't, never met anybody who has written about being pro-war yeah i'm sure there is but it's just a, it's unfathomable when you see all this suffering somebody asked me today like are you are you happy a record came out and i'm like yeah it's fuck it's awesome but you know what every day the shit's going on in the world that makes us one step closer to world war three and that's way more concerning i don't open my emails to look what's happening in my personal life it's, yeah i go to the news I know, and man. it's hard to tell which is what news to follow. You got to pull so much information, man. Resources and try to decipher. Hmm, 
I think maybe this is probably what's really happening. And it's fucking draining, mentally draining yeah. too. And it's it's all day long, everywhere on your phone. Just hard to, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you want to know what's going on, but you also don't want to fucking go down a deep rabbit hole and get really yeah. fuck your mind up. Hundred yeah, percent. Especially or, or, or you know, and on the opposite, I'd be a like an ostrich with your head in the, in the sand, you know? Yeah. So okay, so you graduate from school. What is your job? Do you have a job? Yeah. So um, I did everything. I worked at Pink Pussycat. Sick. At at uh, it was for those who don't know, it was a sex shop in the village. <laughs> I worked at Flip, and the owner of Flip, who I bit, ran into, he opened up a place. On, what was Flip again? Flip was a punk rock, okay, uh, clothing store on A Street. Okay, right yeah. by um, H Street Playhouse. Okay, okay. Remember the twins? Yeah. Um, the twins who worked the door at places. There was two d- twins. There's Hector, the, the yeah, Sunset yeah, yeah. dudes, and then. Um, two brothers. What are they fucking named? The two were brothers. Always, they work security, all the different Coney Island, Diesel, all that. Yeah, stuff. yeah. They were always so cool. I forgot their names. They worked everywhere, yeah, man. They were fucking cool. Those dudes. We always had. There was always beef. We were in security, so we'd always take each other's back. But those dudes held my back a lot of times. One of my homegirls got rolled for uh, three Carmani, and we chased them down A Street and caught them. <laughs> it, it, long crazy stories. But so there was that job to pick pussy cat. We had family that worked in private sanitation in Brooklyn, so we had to work the trucks. Um, doing that I worked for the, the Italians In uh, in Bensonhurst And I would um, Drive a truck Early biohazard days Where um, <laughs> One one week One day of the week I had to go around and Pick up Just brown paper bags Wow And I never Never opened this pro- It was money I'm Damn some Bronx Tale shit Yeah it wasn't that bad Okay wasn't that, But I had to deliver Women's garments Women's clothing mm. And the dudes I remember They it was my birthday, and every time it was somebody's birthday, it was a real family kind of vibe. You get an envelope with hundreds of dollars. No, no, I wish. <laughs> but it was a, it was a. They call you at the end of the day at three o'clock. You come down, and and all the women, all the Italian women, were working the sewing machines, and whoever's birthday was, they would have a cake. So they they bring me on the intercom. I'm outside cleaning up or something, and uh, they call me downstairs, and they're like, "Come on in the office." I'm like, "Oh, maybe they're gonna give me a fucking bonus. Maybe <laughs> I'll get that envelope." And the guy goes, um, "He's like, sit, have a seat," and I'm like, "This." Is a weird vibe. He yeah. closes the door. He calls up his partner. He comes down. He's a real fucking zipperhead. <laughs> I can say that because I'm a zipperhead. But <laughs> so he comes down and and I think we had a show that night. But he said, um, "Hey, um, the delivery yesterday were box. They were box short." Ooh. And I'm like, "Oh yeah." I'm like, I counted and I numbered. We, we number one to forty or whatever it was. Yeah. And it was like one to forty, two to forty. Like we went through all this so the shit wouldn't happen. And the guy, he says, um, so what happened the box? What'd you do? Like throw it out and like pick it up later? I'm like, what are you, what are you accusing me of stealing? Damn. These are women garments. I, I never, I never stole anything. I would never steal from anybody, let alone you guys. You're, yeah. You guys have been there for me, taking care of me while I'm starting my career. And they're like, and I'm like, and they're getting, I'm like, this is a joke. I'm like, you guys are fucking around, right? And they're like, so we open up your trunk. I'm like, you're fucking kidding me, right? And I get serious. I'm like, dude, it's my fucking birthday. I thought you were inviting me here for a cake. And I'm yeah. still like, I'm still like a tough, you know, yeah. New York skinhead. How, I'm thinking, how old are you then? Probably 18. Okay. 19. And um, 19. So um, I'm like, uh, so then I start getting pissed off. I'm like, now I'm like, you fucking assholes. It's <laughs> like, so, all right, let's go. We go out and I had a, a, a blue duster. And, um, so I open my trunk. I, before I open my trunk, I'm going to open my fucking trunk. And they open the trunk and there's nothing, of course, nothing in there. And like, you see? They say, all right, cool. Now we know. I said, yeah, now I know. So go fuck yourself. And I never came back. 
Holy and then that and that was it. I from there I just you know I worked at King's Plaza Mall <laughs> wearing a pink apron from ice cream, coming back from tours. Yeah. You know how it was. So in between tours you were working still, yeah. Yeah, just different things. Um I worked at a chicken pastor of Ravioli. I worked at <laughs> um a bunch of different, you know, pickup Yeah, jobs, I yeah. remember meeting you guys for the first time at that 91 uh, Live in NYC video, Agnostic Front, Sick of It All, Gorilla Biscuits. Yeah, but we didn't play. I know, but you guys I were on so stage. Jealous. That's when I met yeah. you guys. And I remember, like, yep. I even told Evan there's one part, and Vinny's like, yo, bring out the flag. And I grabbed the American flag, and on the other side is this long haired dude, and it was Evan. That's the first time, like, I even saw you guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was crazy, man. It was such a, that was like an epic show. Those people talk about, you know, from doing interviews with kids. Yeah. Those are epic. That was an epic era yeah. in New York hardcore music scene in general. And, there's nothing like it. Never been anything like yeah, it. Yeah, you guys have been playing shows, obviously. We were playing shows, yeah. Yeah. And the, I, the early Biohazard days, because I, even though Bobby, those guys always liked hardcore. Evan was... You were the guy mostly in the hardcore, I though? was more in hardcore. I didn't okay. like metal. Okay. They turned me on to metal. Gotcha. But they, um, I was jealous because we weren't accepted. I wanted to play with all the bands that so I So it was loved. hard to break into that scene, in the hardcore, New York hardcore scene. You feel like an outsider, even though you're from Brooklyn in the area. Of course, yeah. yeah. CB, I hung, in my spot. Yeah, I didn't go to Lamore. That's where I, I came like from. That, yeah, you know, and all the all the um, the Rock Hotel shows, all that stuff. I loved it. It was awesome. I wanted to be a part of it. The first show I ever saw in New York was Bad Brains in Leeway. And, Ooh, and um, I remember that tour. And um, it must have been '89, maybe. No, earlier. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It was um, Living Color before. Wow. They okay. Truly. So Leeway played, and then Living Color went on, and then Bad Brains. But Living Color, and they opened up a cult of personality. Ooh. And I remember sitting there like, what is this? And then and then the pit, there was a pit. Yeah. And I, I never heard of them. But because as a kid, you didn't really listen. No one yeah. had a radio that much. And that was more, I don't remember. I think they were more, they went more mainstream. But that totally. shit was fucking heavy. And it was awesome. And then Bad Brains went out. It had to be... I guess well, I went Okay. 94? No, no. Not earlier. 84? Yeah, probably then, yeah. So, um, yeah, and that was that was for sure. It was at 1018 on the west side in the meatpacking district. Some weird... When that when meatpacking district was sketchy, now it's like totally different. Is it? Yeah, it's like all cleaned up in them. It's like clubs, everything. Back then it was like... It was Mars Bar on the corner at, over there. Robs, yeah. Robbed. Um, I had a... Uh, a you got, Can you, you say, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, back then it was different. You were shot thing. and robbed at? You were shot? Yeah, yeah, but um, not shot, but. Um, Mugged? Uh, no, by a, 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 a male prostitute okay, woman. Okay, okay. What, yeah, there what, we go. What do you, what's I think the proper you term? That. I don't know what the proper term is for back then. Okay. Well, I know what it was back then, but it's I, with all due respect, <laughs> yeah, I don't, just, I don't yeah, say yeah, the yeah, shit yeah. now. Yeah. So, my uh, friend Chris, we were out one night. <laughs> just stop. Kick me on the table. No, this is great. No, no, I love this shit. She, uh, um, we were out partying. It was after hours. Evan was there, our our manager, Big Rich, and Chris. So we were all partying. We come out on 14th and maybe 8th Ave, 7th Ave. I can't remember. Um, and we had a place. It was after our place. Remember Save the Robots? That was yeah, yeah, totally. Didn't yeah. they move over there? No, uh, I remember that place. So yeah, Save the Robots is Lower East Side. It was cooler. I can't remember the name of the place, but it was like seven, eight in the morning. And we were all, you know, it was the end of a night. And so you go to the after hours to keep partying. Yeah. Obviously, this was before we cleaned up and got sober. But so we're out and we, we, the guys are getting coffee. We all getting coffee. I come out and I see this, my girl, 
it was like a friend of mine, a skinhead chick, super cool from Pennsylvania, and she's arguing with this woman, mm-hmm. and it's a prostitute, and she like schooling her about like self respect and get a job. Damn. Like, I work for my money. You get a better job. Serious combo. Yeah. yeah. And, and they're going at it, and suddenly um, it gets heated, and um, th- this woman pulls up her skirt and got balls. Okay. So Chris kicks him or her right in the balls. Wow. And it sets it off. They start fighting and, and separate them. They are, I, it was a melee. Right then, Evan comes out with Richie. And then, um, so she runs away, and Chris runs after, and, um, and she stops and picks up a beer bottle, throws it at Chris. Mrs. Chris hits us on the legs. And now we're like, oh, fuck. Now you, you're throwing bottles at us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we start chasing. She runs across the street, calls us down this alleyway, and we're like, this is your neighborhood. You, yeah. You stash the fucking you know, heat down there. So we, we left. We're coming back, and, uh, and, and she comes back, like, literally, like, two minutes later with a nine-millimeter pointing right across the street. Holy Richie shit. Richie grabbed me, like, get the fuck out of here. Evan had split, which I always meant to ask. Like, why didn't you? Yes, yeah. but he had split, got his got his fucking his whip, and comes around on on Fourteenth Street, picks us up, and we're like running. He it's just like per, right out of a, it's movie. Like a movie, dude. Yeah, yeah. It, it was, it got crazier after that. But fuck, crazy memories, man. I I, I don't, <laughs> you don't you start. It's like catalyst. You start talking about yeah. things. You're like, oh yeah, I remember this story. So you guys played a bunch of shows on your first album when it came out. Yep. And did you guys have a buzz going before Urban Discipline? Had it been building up? Was it bubbling? Because there's no internet, no YouTube, nothing. Just it was just uh, word of mouth. Biohazard. But you gotta check out this band Biohazard. Yeah, it was playing mo- the Moors and all that shit, and mostly word of mouth. It was. Yeah. One of the things we did was um, the guy used to always they they called me the sergeant that they used to bust my balls about because I we would go if there was a show you go and promote. Hell yeah. But I would go out and I would print up when I worked at um, Pink Pussycat. I would just rob their printer and I figured out I did all the graphics so I learned how to do press type and all that shit back in the day it's cool but I would I figured out this way that if I um, used a zoom on a Xerox machine I could copy things cut them out and, and I would do rows of biohazard logos mm. and so I would do one sheet and there'd be like maybe 50 little biohazards like the size of a half dollar right yeah and then I would cut them up and we would I would have like hundreds and we'd go to shows I'd make one of the guys come with me and I'd just hand out if we didn't have a show, I would hand the logo, and people were like, "What's this?" So a lot was of people nothing, would, was there a website nothing. or nothing. Just those stick. We didn't have money. Yeah, yeah. So there's no. In, I didn't know there wasn't even a way to uh, to buy that shit. You know, yeah. stickers and things like that back then. It so was just like, a logo. It was always somebody who had a printer, like your buddy in the scene. Yeah. So, and then we there was this guy. Remember Jolly? There was a guy named Jolly. He was you know mm, him. I probably know. The pin guy that was all the rock hotel. Oh yeah, shows. yeah, always had the pins. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. So he was a badass dude, and he printed up the Biohazard logo on pins. Okay. Then I started handing those out, and we would I would print up. I came up with this concept. I would print up whatever the minimum people required. Like for t-shirts, if it was like thirty-two, I would sell half of them and then give away the other half. So right. people, I was like, if they're more apt to like or give you a chance if you give them something for free. Totally. So that worked. I kept recycling the money, and once we kicked in, like you know 50 bucks a pop um and then i kept doing it but we would go out and we would just blast like gorilla market this the logo any shows and eventually like um we started playing lamore was the first actually the first club was pyramid club i know pyramid yeah avenue b yeah, yeah with, avenue um, a. sorry yeah with uh with prong 
Wow. That's your first show. First show. And it was awesome. They would that us, be 19? What year would that be? 1987? 88. 88. Okay. And then. I just moved to New York in 88. Okay. And then, um, and then from there, we played a second show, like maybe a month later with Ludacris at CB's. Ludacris, yeah. And then after that, I don't remember the first time at Lamore, but then that we, we just happened to click in Lamore. So we would still do CBs. We played um, Pyramid Club a couple nights. Which was smaller. The Lamore is a big spot. So you started like selling yeah. that out and stuff, right? No, not, not okay. Of course, it was like the first time was our four people was our girlfriends. Oh shit! Okay, okay. And then like they would bring their <laughs> homegirls, and then okay, it, it grew like that. But then we, I think, just opening up for other bands. Like we would, I think Lamore dudes liked our hustle. Yeah. And so we were always out promoting, and so they gave us other chances. Then it was like you get paid a dollar for every pass that you bring in. You get that was a, a shit dollar. back then. You get yeah. a dollar. Yeah. yeah. How many people you bring? And so you and they. Oh, Damn. it was always bullshit. They, you know, <laughs> you bring in like a hundred passes, you get fifty bucks if yeah. you're lucky. Or they say, oh, we'll pay you fifty, but do you want to open up for this band Exodus next week? Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. So we'll keep you fifty. So you guys are taking all the opportunities, yeah. playing as much as you could, right? Yeah. And then, so what's the first album on? That's not what is that label? It's not it, Century Media. It's some other. Show. No, it's it's it was called Maze Maze America. Yes. Good memory. That's right, the first one, yeah. So they signed us and Share Terror, and this band called The Sweet, which is a okay rock metal band. Yeah, right. Okay, you know their music. I remember Sweet Diesel. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so then, nineteen ninety two, Urban Discipline. That's a fucking game changer, bro. Yeah. So on on Fuck. Urban, uh, so the first we just released that by the way, the vinyl. Oh yeah, I saw yeah. that. Yeah, it's sick. um the first first record we did we toured with. That's when we all hung out. We yeah, sick of it all. Um, Sheer terror, maybe. Sheer terror. Um, that's sick of it all. Ex- and ex- and then, oh, crazy oh, that's tour. right. I forgot about it. this. Is a big fucking crazy story. We did. It was the worst and the best decision of my career. <laughs> we and I'll I'll never give this advice to anybody. Like you know the value of your merchandise. Like you can you can keep the capitalist pig slaughtering price gouging. Away from your 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 family, yeah. By retaining the rights to yourself, don't sell your rights because then you get some scumbag True. bean counter overcharging for your merchandise. So I'll never young bands out there don't sell your merch. Keep print them yourself. Okay. If you ever get to a point you can can't control it, have your brother print them and hire them. But anyways, we were on that label for like for life oh, for the first okay. label. They screwed over us, share terror. Um. Every band they signed, there was another, some other metal band I can't remember. And they, they took signed. your merch too, or no? Tried no, to, that, okay. it wasn't like that back then. No three sixty deal. They, we would tour all every, every tour we did. We couldn't find the record, so we would pull up. They were in Long Island somewhere. Danny and Bobby would distract, you know, the people in the office, and Evan and I would just jack cases of CDs. Damn, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then we would go on tour, and we'd bring them to shops and say, "Hey, take them on consignment." We probably never made came back to get our money but it was you just to get our shit. Yeah, yeah cause you know what it's like to be on tour and you're like your record's nowhere it's the worst like, what are you, yeah. it's the worst but you can't complain about it yeah you just gotta do it <laughs> so you would actually stock the record stores with your own stuff yeah. wow yeah so then um, this dude had us for life we he we were trying to get off the record deal we had some horrible lawyer and uh, the Did best that he could do but he, he got us off the label but we had to make a deal the guy offered us it was like we had to pay them like fifteen grand or something like that, and I in fifteen then, that's grand. A lot back then. Yeah, we were like, we knew how many zeros, but it was almost like how many zeros is that? Yeah. <laughs> but um, so we ended up 
getting it, and I don't remember how we this came to, to the deal happened, but we got a deal with this company called Winterland. Yeah, I remember it was a merchandise company. Yeah, I remember and, that. And they gave us, they gave us like an advance for probably merch or something. It, yeah, they gave us like twenty grand. That was a lot back then, which is crazy. Yeah, and but what, that money, what we did was we we financed, um, we we bought off the label, and we had five grand left over, so we. Um, went on tour with Exploited, and we had half of Urban Discipline written, and we played those songs every night, and we and because we had no record label, wow. So we were making shitty money, maybe a buck fifty a night. Damn. But you know, you sleep in a van, people, you know how it is. Yeah. And so um, we financed that, and came home, finished writing the record, and then got the deal with Roadrunner. But Warner Brothers wanted to sign us, and we were like, why? We yeah. didn't. You know why? So. Scott Coney, rest in peace, pulled yes. together those guys and brought them to the table. And we're like, I, I'm like, no fucking way. Warner Brothers, that's a fuck. And back then it was, it's that's the worst thing you could do. It was yeah. like, sell out, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, no totally. way. So he, I'm like, I, I, let's, we got to stay with people who know our music, at least closer to what we're doing. Yeah. So he got us a deal with Roadrunner, with, uh, Roadrunner for Urban Discipline and no bands, you know the, yeah. their deal. Nobody signed a one-off deal and we got, Everybody was signing seven records their whole yeah. life. But we got them to sign a one-off deal. It's insane. And then when the third record came out on Warner Brothers and kept on going from there. But Urban Discipline, let's talk about that. Let's talk sure. about yep. Shades <clears throat> of Grey, Punish, those videos. And I think uh, Punishment was the most played video on Headbangers Ball or something. Uh, that versus uh, November Rain, Guns N' Roses. <laughs> those two almost like guitar. More than that, supposedly, Headbangers Ball. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. An, And just coming from hardcore and seeing all my friends in there were all... Friends all over MTV and all that shit. I was in the Shades of Grey video. It was just a moment, man. It was it was pretty sick, man. It was just really game changing. I think it, just the way uh, people actually saw the New York hardcore scene on national television almost the first time because it was Chromag's Age of Crawl. Uh, I mean, yep. we got a no video back in the day. There was Agnostic Front live at CBGB's. Maybe a sick of it all video here and there, but this was like during the day. This is like everywhere, bro. You know what I mean? Yeah, it it was a. The spotlight was shining on New York hardcore. That was when I was like, fine, like, oh, cool. Now I'm among <laughs> my peers. Like, people like, like respect and love. Yeah. That we finally felt like we were part of the New York hardcore scene. Even though we were different, we felt like there was like a welcoming thing. Yeah. And having all you dudes in the video, it was like, that was where New York hardcore, it, with the help of MTV and media, but shed a light on something that was powerful and impactful, life changing for all of us. Yeah, you know? for sure. I, I didn't it, the commercialization of that shit, and I get that a lot. I never, I don't never liked it. I think all the members of the band did more, than, way more than me. Yeah, I always thought I'm like, this is gonna hurt us more than help us, and maybe because when you, that shit happens, and I, it's not even my opinion; it's fact. People like you because you're the flavor of the moment. Yeah. They don't ever get deep into what you're about. People that follow you from the beginning know what you're about, and they're with you forever. Totally. So then people misunderstand you, and then people start saying, seeing people that that are liking you for the wrong reason. They start losing faith, and they're like, "That's whack." Mm. And that happened in our career, and it didn't happen for a while. Yeah. But it seemed like the popularity in the mainstream got way bigger than our underground following, and the underground following stopped liking us because. Kids who weren't part of the scene. So like coming to the shows, who weren't part of the, yeah, they saw on TV, yeah, right? Yeah. But what, what I like about the videos, the videos were, were grimy and gritty. Drew Stone, shout out to Drew Stone. They yeah. weren't like 
all glossy and like pretty. They were fucking grimy. You know what I'm saying? They were still getting that play. Yeah, that was in Paris too. Yeah, it was Drew in Paris. Cra- it was just crazy. Those it just showed like. Yeah. It was scary for people seeing that for the first time. Like, holy shit, this is fucking gnarly. I remember we did the Onyx video. Yeah, the right? Bionics video. Yeah. yeah. They the dude showed up with vests and they were like, I'm like, why are you wearing vests? Like, yo, your your crowd's crazy. I'm like, your shows are getting shot up. Our shows are all about peace and unity and people. You know, there's violence. Yeah. But reality, nobody's except for CB. I remember that. It was some wild shit yeah. there. Yeah. I remember. I remember seeing Red Man pull up. Maybe Method Man pulled up to the Bionics video. That was that was crazy yeah, too. Like, cool. yeah. um, and then that that came out on uh, Tales from the B side. That's when that Bionics actually came on that album, right? It was um, it was a video first, and then they came out on that. No, yeah, no that that was a it was a bio, it was like a, a mix. That's a weird thing how that happened. So that I did it. That friendship became out of a remix that I did for a song called Slam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then we became friends, and then be, that oh yeah that that was called Bionics. Yeah, remix. Yeah, it was. That's yeah. right. Yeah, I th- we have a record called Tales from the B Side that I thought you. Yeah, might. yeah, but that song premiered on that. The Slam remix was, came out on the Tales of the Hard Side in two thousand. No. Yeah, it did. But that's a. Okay. Okay. I tried to start my own record label. Okay. 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 And I was like, let's release, <laughs> let's release a, a, a collection of, of B sides ah, we never okay. released. Okay. So I put it out and it got bootlegged. So that's people think that's a real. It's not. It's a, so. But what did the Bionics come out on? What did the Slam Rings ever come out on? It was a single, so, like a and like a video. A, okay. Yeah, and a video, wow. and then they put it out on different things here and. Okay. Yeah. That was, I actually I did, so it's song Judgment Night. Just did a great Judgment Night. I did a reversion re- of that. Okay. And I was going to be on this record, but we're going to put it out. We'll put it That's out a game changer. I mean, that that thing sold over a million copies as well. Sort of Urban Discipline, like, that was like a platinum record, or more than platinum record back then. Yeah. I know I know what I'm just saying. Like, for that <laughs> yeah. for that style of music and that time, that's it's kind of crazy if you think about it. Yeah. You know I mean? so it was so underground, it, you know, it, still. I'm, I'm humbled to... It, a lot was beyond our control, though. It was the music scene that was... People were just rabid for something that was like their own yeah and and so the fans made it like the, the, the yeah. scene was really fucking booming then yeah you know so it, it seemed right it seemed like we were at the right place at the right time yeah and and having a lot of you know big players behind us russell simmons leo cohen That's right scott coning um those dudes you know i remember that we played i think iceman played i'm trying to remember who else it was our for urban discipline we we played at where Minus got stabbed. Remember that? Okay, a marquee. Marquee on the west side in Manhattan. And uh, it was, I don't remember, it was Iceman. I, you can probably pull it out. I can pull it out. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. So, but um, it was sold out and the five over comes in, they're shutting it down and it was, the kids were going to riot and they come back and Leo's like, yo, fucking go out there and fucking set it off. Tell, fuck <laughs> the police, set it off. Yeah. And, and Russell's like, yo, you could, you could, they're gonna arrest you, but I'll bail you out. It'll be all over the papers tomorrow. Your record comes Damn. out tomorrow. It'll be big. We're like, no, we, this is a this is unity. We want, we don't want to ruin shit. We want to build it up. Yeah, we want to take it from the marquee and go and keep it cool. Yeah, and so and but while we have that conversation, we ended up not setting it off. But the, it, they, <laughs> we end up the, the five O let us play like five songs. Yeah, and it was great. But then minus fucking you know that shit went down. Yeah. So wh- what do you think the major influence of the bounce? Of biohazard because it's so it's such good rhythm in the pocket. It's got that mad ball bounce to it. Like I, I like just the bounce. I think about biohazard and mad ball. I think about that bounce. Killing time too. They had those halftime breakdown. What was what, what was the inspiration? Because you wrote a lot of stuff too. Hip, you know? hip hop. Yeah, for sure. Hundred percent. Like yeah. having being fan like Ice T. Yeah. Um, Public Enemy. 
like it's that hip hop bounce that and that timing in New York was incredible for yeah, hip hop too. It was awesome. Like people don't understand. They, they, I think people looking at the New York Arcor scene, they they always wonder like like why does it have a rap vibe or a bounce vibe? But everything was happening. We we could go to CBGBs and at a matinee that night, go to the Limelight, you know, and see a, a show, or go to the Palladium yep, or anywhere. Yep. It was like it was all around us. It was all like you yeah. know, what I'm just the whole yeah. Everybody rocking the champions and the and the and the Carhartt, just everything, the whole thing, you know. Is when, like, when baggy pants and a ball jackets showed up at hardcore, I was like, cool. Yeah, <laughs> because it it was like we were like a lot of us were we liked all different types of music, everything, dude. But it wasn't cool like that. You had to be hardcore, just hardcore, yeah. yeah. And then so we, we were all coming up in a time when it got accepted. And then everybody got to have those influences, and it worked. Yeah, you know, I mean, when Karis when did Stick for All? Yeah, that was badass. I remember. So Jell- I used to work with him at Powerplay, okay, at studio in, in Queens, and uh, him, Miss Melody, Miss Melody, her? yeah, man. But um, Eric Rodriguez, the guy, what was her name? Hip hop. I don't know. Eric uh, Rodriguez, um, Miss Melody, and who else? We talking about the uh, producers. They're two. Oh, I'm not sure. Anyways, so so, so yeah, so, so it guys, was it was the hip hop. The groove and and also like Danny, but did you bring that into because because everyone was more metalish, right? Yeah, and you were more hardcore hip hop. So you can't, no, okay, okay. I was more hardcore punk rock. Okay, okay, okay. And and hip hop, even later. though I liked hip hop, those guys were way more into hip hop. Okay, and they turned me onto that. Nice. I accepted hip hop way more, way sooner than metal. Okay. So later on, those guys turned me on to like Priest and Maiden, and okay, Sabbath, and I was like, holy shit, this is. Yeah, great stuff. Yeah, sorry to curse all the time. No, dude, it's all good. So, what about this infamous shirt? It's not infamous. It's it's photo. It's been popping up a lot. You posted it. I think I might have sent it to you once. Yeah, you did. It was it's awesome. fucking. It's Nas it's rocking a Bur- Urban Discipline shirt with Tupac in the back. Is that something like what? What I'm hearing from the story is that maybe there was always some of your merch at profile at the management company. Maybe they got laced up at this. Off- I don't know how it went down. I we were like we were always hanging out with Rush. So Rush was yeah. the management company. And I think Nas must have been fucking with them for a bit. Had to be. People listening, right? that was a huge Rush management. Russell Simmons, huge hip hop management. Yeah. Um, with other rock bands being managed by them, or just th- we were the only band. I think the he, hard. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and then Russell and Leo really liked what we were doing. Yeah. They were with it, and we were like, you know, we had street cred. Yeah. We were like, you know, the, the rock version of hip hop totally. to them. That's how I looked at it. And they saw that there was something going on in New York. Russ, Leo, and Russell, they always wanted to buy. They tried to buy Roan Runner. Okay. And the so they band, knew about Hardcore Russ and Leo knew about the scene. They had to know about CDs. Through us, okay, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but they uh, they tried to buy Road Runner numerous times. And I don't think it was public knowledge. Damn. But okay. eventually, Lior ended up running like Wea, and eventually they bought Road Runner. I did not know that. That's yeah. all. Wow, okay. Yeah. Years and years later. Yeah, yeah. So I'm sure they had seen mosh pits before. Those, those dudes grew up in New York. Like at least Russell made with the Beastie Boys. Of course, they were a punk band before. Yeah, so they knew that and because they, they were tied with with uh, Rick. You yeah, know, you know? but they I, the shirt I had to come from there because we were always hanging out there and we we were fans and looked up to all those little rappers and, yeah, and as course. they were coming up, it was always like always. It seemed like Biohazard was always plural. We were the biohazards, like the temptations. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, no, there's no S. It's just we're just biohazards. I love oh, that. Oh, you biohazards. Like Flavor Flav loved us. He, yeah, so Evan talked about that. Yeah, Meet yeah. him at the office one time. Awesome. Gave him a shirt and Numerous stuff. times, yeah. Damn. So it had to be in one of those things because now is young up and coming yeah. artist. And the photo is him and Tupac, which it's is incredible, even, dude. That's so badass. It's so it's such that's a, a bro, I, so I, somebody sent me a t shirt. 
that somebody made. I sent that to you. You sent me a t-shirt. Yeah, I DM'd it to you or something. Somebody made a t-shirt Thank of you. that fucking that, shirt. I wear that with such pride. Oh, you got one of those? Okay, of course, sick, dude. sick. I, to wear your own. I know. It's so it's so a there's weird. a t-shirt made of Nas wearing a biohazard t-shirt. Standing next to Tupac. Yo. Yeah. It's so amazing. Do you ever meet Tupac back then? No. I, I probably did, but I don't I don't remember. remember. yeah. He was super mainstream and... and and well, I shouldn't say super mainstream. Yeah, by the but time. we were like we were like trying to fuck with like Wu Tang, yeah, and, and Onyx, Onyx, like stuff Mob that was, Deep, yeah, Ooh, all yeah. that stuff. So, was there a lot of pressure on you guys after the success of Urban Discipline to make Stay the World Address? Did you feel any pressure, or you just just making like, like another record? Not at all. It, yeah, one of the key things, and I think because we signed two record deals at the same time, so we signed a deal, like I mentioned earlier, with Roadrunner, yeah, and then we signed a deal with. Warner Brothers for the third record, okay, almost simultaneously. Yeah, Model A. What does that mean again? Kill the Lion. Okay, okay. Yeah, that um, that came out. That's the fourth record. That's the fourth record. Yep. Oh yeah, because it's the first. This is a subtitle too. Yeah. So stay the world address. Make so there was no pressure on that. You're awesome, dude. You got all your. <laughs> I got all my shit. Better than anybody. I've never seen this <laughs> well organized. <laughs> so stay the world address. There's no. Was that with Ink on there? Ink came back yet? So yep. we did that video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck. But man. you were. You're in there, right? No, I wasn't. That was later on. I was already starting H2O at that point. Yeah. In 94. Yeah. That came out in 94. Holy shit. So no pressure making the record from the label. Nothing. Stay the word dress. Yeah, the, label. do your thing. Be you. Yeah. And so Five Blocks was on there. Yep. So Five Blocks was a song that we wrote originally for during Urban Discipline. Okay. And we, we just, on the re-release of Urban Discipline, we just, the vinyl. Yeah. We put that version on that record it's way different oh shit it's okay. way more like chuggy it's, okay. it's more hardcore and then by the time we played that song and recorded it for state of the world dress it, it became what it was for that was record. that a single for that record yeah it was another song yeah so yeah but all the other ones so you had that urban discipline sold probably a couple million be, right at that point back then i, I haven't checked the numbers in a while but guys yeah in europe too is insane yeah bro. it's a lot worldwide it's a lot of records so those Two yeah. records and the even the first one in Matileo, those four records probably, yeah, over a million, yeah, easy. So, did, do you remember your first time your dad see Biohazard, like came out? Yeah, we played with uh, Pantera in Ooh. in Albany, and he came down. And I remember I brought him on the bus, and Bobby was, you know, doing. <laughs> Shout out to Bobby, bro. Yeah, I fucking love he's, Bobby. He's awesome. Um, he uh, he just sent me a message. I, about one of the new songs. I have a song called Turn the Wounds off the new record. And he was, it was, bro, it brought tears in my eyes. He's like, oh, yo, man. great song, awesome video, love the arrangement, really awesome, bro. Congratulations. I was like, fuck yeah. I fucking love Bobby. Yeah. Shout out to Bobby, man. He's a good dude. So you brought your dad and Bobby was there kind of wilding out a little bit? 100%. Okay. No, he was at the end of wilding out. Okay. So <laughs> my old man and my brothers had to step over him in the bus. Oh, and man. I, and the, to, but my brother's like, that's He's, that's rock and roll. Yeah. And I was straight then. I was straight agent. And I was like, Damn. yeah, it's, it's, it's an issue, but we love him. He's our brother and we're there for him. Um, so it, that was the first time he saw us. We played a big arena. Damn. Yeah. How, how long have you been sober for? How long did you get, when did you get sober back then? We, so soon after, we, uh, right about before the first record, we were more interested in rehearsing and playing and writing new songs. Evan had a heart attack. I remember that. And, um, he stopped. He was like coke heart attack. Damn. But um, so that was a big wake up call. He got sober. I lost a friend of mine. This, this kid I used to hang out with. His name was Hal. He's a the Lower East Side, you know, kid. And uh, he we used to do heroin together. And he wow. committed suicide, hung himself. And I remember thinking, I'm like, normally you OD, 
but his life was so bad. It was like he had a son. It was, you know, Fuck. he's also from Boston, but he, um, and this other chick, Lazar, this girl, this, um, old school um, chick from New York, but she, so we all, this other girl, I used to hang out with this girl, Rose, but we had, um, so he, when he hung himself, it was a dose of reality. I'm like, you know what? I, I'm not going to take that path. That's yeah. it. And so I had, I cold turkey, quit everything, stopped drinking. It was like, how old were you then? It was beginning of biohazard, 19. Damn. So it was, um, no, maybe 20. So That's I, amazing I, I, to I, do that 20. back then, man. Yeah. But it was like, you know, you party with your boys, get drunk. We would go and you, you're, the dregs of life. You're like fucking yeah. just living in a shithole, like, you know, like your cycle of just yeah, drinking, dark, drugging, man. and then you, 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 do heroin to fall asleep, to just to chill out your night, wake up in the morning to go to work, you do a, a bump of crystal meth. Before you go to work? Yeah. Damn, And you do bro. that like four or five days a week in a row, and then you crash for your two days off, and it would be on a cycle. But we, you rob people to support your shit. It's yeah. horrible. Damn. Some of the most embarrassing, I, I wouldn't say Low points of your life, you think? Yeah, but, and it's it's tough to, like to just talk about those things because as a I'm a good man I'm a good person I do so much in the world that I I want to make the world a better place not just for my offspring but for the people for your kids for your kids kids yeah all these things but that you have to go through to understand and to really um I think earn a good seat in life mm-hmm. to do good in the world you have to experience some yeah you're a fucking darkness. teenager man yeah. you went through it man yeah. your mom died you know yeah. what i'm saying like yeah it's tragedy and it makes you who you are today you know 100 percent. So, so 19 cold turkey that's it yep it was hard um no it was wasn't it. yeah and and i think like it was harder for evan i think bobby always resented me for it because he had a tougher time you and know? you were like his party buddy we all of us were uh, yeah, yeah it was yeah. beginning about it was like dude the first video <laughs> there's a video we did on our demo um it was a song called panic attack there's a scene in the video if you watch it closely it's on my my youtube page you hear it first and okay. there's a scene if you there's a and we actually froze it was back when you made videos it was like you had to be in this editing room it was all oh, on yeah, tape. yeah but we froze it evan pissed his pants bobby's passed out bobby and i are passed out on stage and i think it was crazy. We were Damn. all like doing coke before we went to stay. That's not we. Fuck. That's not biohazard. That's not. Yeah. When I tell the story, people are like biohazard. That's not. Who yeah. You guys are. But to get, you know, to get to the light, you got to go through darkness. And, yeah. And that was a path that we had to take to get, um, to get to a point where what you first question is how did it happen? We'd yeah. be more interested in, in making music, and then I'm suddenly serious it became serious. It. We're like, yeah, we're not going to do that anymore. That video was the last time we ever wild it out wow. before going on stage and then soon after that we were all pretty pretty sober and straight for a long time yeah yeah you could focus on your career it's yeah. crazy man yeah. but then having people like umbar having umbar rest in peace with me That's he right. was my tech for years that was great because he was straight edge yeah. so we would like uh, even when bobby and like, all the rock and roll stuff was happening we it was easy to be straight we'd make fun of drunk people yeah <laughs> and it was funny mm-hmm. you know like uh, you know, act, you know. <laughs> Damn, I forgot about Umbar, man. Rest in peace. That happened way after. I forgot what year that was, man. That was sad, man. He passed 95 or 96. And how did he pass again? So he um, he kind of, he was out with, we took a break doing a new record. He went out with Helmet. Yeah, Umbar was a roadie for Sick of It All and Biohazard. I remember that, yeah. Yep. And then um, while he was with Helmet, he got a 
real bad car accident. Oh man! And then after that, he was ne- like he had some slight damage, uh, memory and speech, um, and then he came back with us, and he was he he just had a lot of headaches. I remember he was off. A little yeah, bit. and then he got a gig with uh, L Seven. Okay, yeah. Fell in love with Danita, and got fell off the edge and wow. real bad, and he, he OD'd and uh, sad, man. tour bus in in London. Wow. That's heavy, man. I remember hearing about that. Yeah. Umbro's sweetheart. He always had really good hair, too. There was this whole thing yep. about his hair and good, stuff. Good dude. Um, okay, State of the World Address comes out. Yeah. And, and how is that reaction? How is that response? Are you guys getting just bigger and bigger at that point? Um, yeah. It was... MTV was like... They Loving loved your, us. I, yeah. Yeah. And it just... We were like the underdog and that seemed to be like the flag waver for the underground and people just seemed to gravitate and like Connected it. Connected to it, yeah. And then it helped because New York was... You know... We, everybody loves New York. Yeah, Japan, L.A. I mean, it's a little L.A. <laughs> thing, but but <laughs> Chicago, everything in between. Yeah, it's true. Like, you want to be L.A. or New York? Yeah. So, I think that had a lot to do with it. We but we were we weren't quiet with, with waving our flag of New York. Yeah, Brooklyn. of course. So that was you represented a, hard, man. Hard. Yeah. You know, and, but it, it wasn't intentional. It seemed it, but we just like that's who we are. Yeah. I remember touring with um, with House of Pain. And we took. Corn on their first tour. Wow. So Happy Walters called us up and he's like, yo, check this band out. We're like, this is great. This is something new. Yeah. We took them out and the dudes, I'm like, right away, I'm like, these guys, these guys got something new. But I'm like, yo, you guys turn to turn to the crowd. You got to be like, yo, we're fucking corn. Yeah. We're from Bakersfield or LA, wherever you're from. <laughs> and, and, and Jonathan was doing his thing, but the guys, except Fieldy, they were just, you know, just shy. Yeah. And coming to their own, which we all were there totally. at one point. But, Couple years go by, we were doing a record. Scott Coney was like, "Yo, remember the band you took on tour? Like, yeah, you want to go see them? They're playing tonight at Roseland." I'm like, "Roseland? Wow!" The same band. He goes, "Yeah, they're blowing up, and they were huge." I'm Damn. Like, wow. But they they had it. I remember Sick of It All took them out too at one point. They did. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I remember that. Yeah, that's crazy, man. So, stay the world address touring on that, playing different, bigger and bigger venues, all that, making the living now. Now you make it. So, is, does your life changed drastically as far as like? Obviously, you're not working jobs in between. Do you move to a bigger place? Do you have money now? Like, does that change? No, nah, it was still like living on couches, people, yeah. you know, sharing apartments with buddies. Um, we didn't make, like, it got to a point, there was a couple of crazy times without management and like mm. doing it ourselves where you just had to figure out your way, figure out how to do everything. Yeah. But there was a one point I remember when maybe it was during Urban, during State of World Address in the middle of that tour cycle. Um, we didn't care. Like, all we, you know, if you made your, you know, thirty bucks a day for food, yeah, PDs. That was like wow. diems, Yeah, it's like awesome. Thirty bucks a day. It's a lot back you, then. You go to see a show every night for free because you're playing. You get yeah. to see all the bands you tour with, and then, um, and then there's food backstage. And the bigger we got, the better the food backstage got. Yeah, catering so and shit. I would save my money. I was like, it wasn't. I'm not. I wasn't a partier, so I I don't spend money in bars yeah. like everybody else. Bobby used to always say to me, he'd say. <laughs> How come you got money all the time? I'm like, because you, you're a great dude and you buy drinks for everybody. I don't drink, yeah. so I don't buy anybody drinks. Yeah. So that thirty bucks goes in my pocket. Maybe I spend five dollars at Seven Eleven. Yeah. You know? Just eat the catering. Yeah. The and they're catering. going on a tour bus you know? too for the first yeah. time. You, you tighten your belt. You don't eat after the show. You just tighten yeah. your belt. Yeah. Well, you and so okay. So we just rewinded a bit. So oh, go ahead. Sorry. So, no, you, go ahead. So there was a point where we were torn so much, and then we started for the first time in our career, making profit. Yeah. And then um, Scott Coney was like, listen, you could split everything up 
like the kids you are and you'll just blow it all or you're just going to keep on tour live how you can if you want to take a little bit you can take a little bit we'll, we'll structure a system where Smart. you can get paychecks so we got like getting on salary kind of right? yeah so yeah. we were getting checks for 250 dollars a week and i was just like i remember calling my pop i said pop i'm making it he's like oh yeah hot what do you what do you mean you're making it? i'm like i got a paycheck now it's a business. We create a real business. It's a company. Biohazard LLC. Yeah, something like it, that. Yeah. It, it, you were called <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, Bioinfatable. No, something like that. Bioheadache. Bioheadache? Yeah. We call it. Because somebody's, somebody's That's I funny. think my pop or Danny's or called Danny's it that. Mother, somebody said, Your muse gives me a headache. So it's all cool. It's called Bioheadache. Oh, my God. So you that, told your dad all proud. I'm going to get 250 a week. 250. I said, Pop, I said, This is easy. I, I, I two roommates. My nut is, I pay 300 bucks a month. Sick. You know, it's, it's just great. And he goes, great, but don't live beyond your means. Stay like that. Just watch what happens. And he still supported me, but not really. It wasn't until things, the 250 got more and more. And then we started looking at how things, we could invest money. And I bought yeah. a house. And, and that was when he kind of. So when did you buy a house in Utah? 95. Just because you fell in love with it? Yeah. It wasn't for a girl. It was just because you wanted to move there? Not, no, not at wow. all. Wow. Yep. And how long did you live there for? I had the house. Yalk and I used to ride at Snowbird. Wow. Rest in peace. Um, we both had a crush on this Tina Bassett. Do you remember her? No. She was a pro rider. She wrote for Sam. So you and Adam Yalk both did? Yeah. Wow. So, well, I can't speak for his. Okay, yeah. Here, but Rest in peace. We, okay. Yes, I think so. <laughs> I remember really having a big crush on her. Yeah. And she, um, and you know, so she ended up with... Uh, uh, Dave Grohl. Oh shit! Okay, okay. Yeah, who's in that? They're course. still together. No, they're, oh, they're yeah, close yeah. friends. But anyways, that's crazy. Um, small so world. I had that place uh, for a long time. Move. He just turned it, flipped it, and did. And you just he lived there. He's going back and forth. I would go. I uh, go back and forth. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. like, you know, it was a fantasy. It was like a bachelor pad. Like I had buddies that that would stay there. Friends and tour would go and stay there. That's cool. So it was. It was a cool place. I loved snowboarding. It was I was going to ask you that. And yeah. the and the just like that street life. Of like, you know, X Games was coming out. Mm. I love skating. I love that lifestyle. Did you skateboard growing up? Yeah, yeah. Sweet skater? Not a good skater. What kind of board do you have? Remember your, your board? Santa Cruz. Sick. Um, Bones. And I don't You just yeah. skate the streets and shit all around? Yeah, just street skating. And skate, then sk a little bit of small pipes. Were you a better snowboarder? Way better. I used to go to... The, um, Valdez wow. for uh, extreme. Contest. You still snowboard? Yeah, I just went. Over That's the awesome. Yeah, I want to go. Yeah. I've, I've done a bunch of my wife. Like she, you remember Mike Rangrit? Yeah, she was supposed to marry so, him before I met he's her. He's from Utah. Yeah, yeah. He was a pro. She was going to marry him before I met her. So Mike had a sister. Yeah, I forgot her name though. She was tight with. Uh, okay. Wow, bro. I, I, my wife is at home. We, I love her to death. We have these boards in my garage. Mike Rankwit still. Oh, Shout yeah? out to Mike Rankwit. Yeah. Uh, I love you, brother. Um, but yeah, so I snowboarded a bunch of my wife. She took me everywhere. She was amazing. She got to travel really? with him too before That's we cool. were together. Yeah. Did, what? Um, she still, you guys still snowboard? snowboard? No? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tried to. It's been a minute since where my son could do it really well too. I love it, dude. Good surfer. It's awesome. I know. It's, it's Surfing and powder are the same. Okay. It feels exactly the same. Get a nice long board. And it's. it's yeah. It's like surfing. No, I, I do love it. I like to go snowboarding with you. I think it'd be fucking really fun. Yeah. Um, okay, so State of World Address, Model Layout is fine with that means, the New World Disorder, and Uncivilization. So all those, you guys, was, you, you weren't, were you guys touring just as much as you did from Urban Discipline? You guys kind of chilled out a little bit. Or you guys were still going hard? Still going hard. We went hard for years. Damn. Up until um, 
until uncivilization because that dropped at september 11th and after that things changed yeah for sure and you guys said you guys said kids then too yeah my i didn't until yeah uh-huh. yeah so that changes everything becoming a parent and then trying to balance music and touring all that yeah it's crazy dude yeah that balance and yeah. then having the wife holding it down man it, it, behind <laughs> behind every great man i know it's a great one my, my wife likes to add smirking because they're like yeah he's not so great he's awesome but my wife was on tour once and you you know how that is it's awesome yeah i remember after the show talking to some people and they they were something about jujitsu or something came up and like oh you're a fighter and humble i was like talking down or whatever but they were like like oh you, you know the gracies all this shit right and my wife's like, he's not that tough. Every night in bed, he's like, stop touching me with your cold feet. <laughs> and I'm like, babe, can you go on the bus? You're blowing up my spot. And the kids were just like, they didn't know who she was. They were like, who's that? What are you, what are you dissing my, uh, you know, the, wow. our, the guy we're looking up to. Is I love, I love the wives. They keep, keep you, us in they place. humble you. They keep you in check. Yep. Um, so you're a black belt. Yep. That's amazing. And how long have you been doing that for, jiu-jitsu? 30 years. Wow. 35, 93. And so why jiu-jitsu? Like, what was it? Did you try, did you try other things before that? Or? Yeah, every, Cause you've been wing doing Chung, box, boxing and Boxing, yeah. Wing Chun, Kali, um, Taekwondo. But jiu-jitsu, when we saw the UFC, 1993, Damn. next day we called around. And you know who we, it got us into the Gracies was uh, Vinny's sister. Uh, uh, Which Vinny? Vinny Sigma. Um, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, she got you in. She she connected she, you with it. Yeah, she introduced us to because they were all Wing Chun ah. school and in, in uh, Chinatown. Um, they introduced. Um, I'm drawing a blank on her name. She's an awesome woman. I don't remember her name. So either. she taught us, introduced us to one of the Gracie's cousins. Okay, and we we you guys met him before, but we brought him on tour, and he taught us, started teaching us. Wow. Yeah. What was your attraction to that? What do you think it was? I liked it. It's not. I did time. I didn't know, but it it means the gentle art. So I like the fact that Hoist was, he didn't beat these violent, massively strong dudes with fire. He beat them passively with, with like water. And that's the whole concept of jiu-jitsu. You fight, most of martial arts, it's fire against fire. Whoever has the strongest block counters with a stronger punch and all those okay. things, which I respect and you know, it's got its place, it's cool. But jujitsu is about the small man, the feeble man, beating the more aggressive, more stronger, more athletic person. Gotcha. Especially my style of jujitsu. Yeah. Which was a self defense style. Yeah. Um, Elio Gracie and that's Hoyce and Hicks and all the guys. Um, so that's what I loved about it the most. And it made me a stronger, better person. My kids trained since they were five. My wife's a purple belt. Wow. So it's it's whole family, that's amazing. Yeah. It's pretty. So you, but you were like a little street scrapper, though. So you, you would get in fights growing up. So then, when you, then when you realize how to do it, really know how to do it, it must change your thoughts of like, damn, maybe I wasn't fighting right that way, or maybe I shouldn't have did that. Or I used my head first, right? You learn all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, like jujitsu, bro. You, I need to try it, man. It's chess. It's, yeah. it's a thinking man's game. It's like the PhD of martial arts, they say. But it's, it's there's such a zen, chill move to it. It's a thinking man's game. Like it's, okay. it's literally maneuvering just like life yeah life is chess so like jujitsu like any confrontations any kind of thing it's it's like I'm, there's nothing when i was younger i wasn't afraid you wouldn't think I before you did something yeah you and it. i thought i was i was a tough kid so even guys who are bigger than me i remember meeting 
Fletcher the first time we playing on, we on <laughs> Chicken Little Tour. Fletcher. Yeah, and he bumped into me, and I, I was like, one time I let pass, second time I turned him, I was like, yo. And I'm like, what the fuck, bro? And I looked up to him, and he's a massive dude, but I didn't care. Yeah. And I stood up to him. Nothing happened. All guys and his guy, everything, it was all cool. I didn't know. I found out later he was in, in one of the, my favorite bands. But yeah. <laughs> that aside, it was like I thought I was a tougher kid than I was. It was more just my ego. Yeah. And then when I learned how to control that and then actually learned how to, like now I'm not afraid because I don't need to go there. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, okay, cool. I'm sorry. Did I bump into you? No problem. Yeah. I have no problem apologizing. My bad. It's all cool. That's that's winning. Yeah. You know what I mean? I like, like that. I like that. Yeah. And uh, my wife, everything at home, it's more peaceful. Not always. I'm not going to, I'm not, a, you know, yeah. we all have our moments, but it's easier to say, okay. Yeah. Because it diffuses the situation. And that's, I know it sounds maybe kooky, but nah. that's jujitsu to yeah. me. Yeah. And if you train jujitsu, you understand what I'm talking about. And if not, you know, you there's another way to say that. It's just rising above, or, yeah, 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 which is a big thing. Totally. But I didn't get it. I think I carried too much anger and chip aggression. on your shoulder. Yeah, for a long time. So I didn't get it from the music that I really looked up for, from Bad Brains to you know all these great positive bands yeah. that had that message. It just I listened to it, but I didn't practice it. Yeah, I didn't get. Yeah, you know, it didn't sink in. Maybe I don't. Damn. You know. So what's after? So if your wife's a purple belt, what's next for her? Brown and then black. Damn, she's close, bro. Yeah, she's gonna fuck you up, bro. Rogers, <laughs> Rogers a purple belt now. Yeah, I remember. So on the persistence tour, these guys were their geese called geese, right? And you guys yeah. were like doing the show. I was like, damn, these guys are serious about this, man. Yeah, it, it, Roger and I, um, Joe from Wisdom, and uh, yeah, yeah, and, and um, Neil from Cutthroat. Yeah, the yeah. Four yeah. of us who train every day. Um, it was cool. It was man. awesome. Yeah. So it's a it Hoyer trains. Yeah, Hoyer Pete trains. That's right. There's so many people. So it keeps you balanced. It keeps you sane. It keeps yeah. you everything. hundred percent. Changed your life dramatically. Yeah. Yeah. It, you stuck to it too, back from back then, which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It, it it gives me um it's just grounding. You know, like I was never I've tried yoga. I love it. I respect it. I love surfing. There's all these things and I think everybody finds a thing in their life that kind of helps them escape. Yeah, totally. And and, and for a lot of people, it's drugs and alcohol, but it's that's a that's a not a positive thing for your life. Yeah, surfing, yoga, jujitsu, those things have that element. Playing music, being on stage, dude, you know, miss it so much. You, you walk off stage, it's cathartic. You just like it's you crazy feel like, high, man. Oh my god, it's a it's the and none of us you've had it a little bit, but for two years, most of us none of us have had it. I know, man. It's, it's crazy when stuff when that's all of a sudden just stops and it's taken away from your life. And it's just not there, and you have to try to fill that part that's missing with other things. But it's you can't. It's it's undescribable. Yeah, that feeling and that to the music and people sing along or even just check you out or just I don't know. It's everything about it. It's, yeah, it, so so lucky to still do that too, man. Everything about it I miss that yeah. that tour. It's just popping all these memories, popping, watching you guys every night on stage. I miss that. And I love my family And I never want to leave them It's harder to leave now I think It's going to be really hard for us dude Because this is the longest We've been home for two years Yeah And lucky our wife Hasn't killed us either We're very lucky Because <laughs> no. my wife said The reason why we're still together Is because I was leaving And coming back And you have that Missing each other yeah, thing Yeah it's like the honeymoon Is always you know, We're very always, lucky man yeah. That we made it through that You know what I mean Like yeah. It's so crazy Hey we're blessed uh, So how long have you been married for 20 years We just had Damn. a 20th Congratulations You guys uh, 26 this year 26 <laughs> 
That's awesome. Yeah, this year. Congratulations you, bro. Yeah, that's this, a, this year, man. It's pretty fucking nuts. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm very lucky, though, man. I'm yeah. fucking so lucky. Because essentially what we're doing is we're running around being big, being big kids. We have no responsibility on tour but to play fucking music. We can sleep in. We can talk like sailors all day. Yep. We have to check in with our families. But when you're out there, it's just like it's like free-for-all. Like, that one hour a night is all you have to work. I know. It's insane. It, it, on tour, as I always say, this, at home, I'm the last one to go to the bathroom. In the morning, everybody wakes up. You get breath. You know, breath. You take your breath, you make breakfast, get the kids, get everything set, and then you get a chance to sit down and have your breakfast or if, if get the kids off to school, whatever. Yeah. But on tour, you wake up, the first thing you do is you go piss. It's true, man. You're right? You go take it, you go to the bathroom. Yeah. And that's, you, you, we don't get that. Yeah. And it, you, you, you said something awesome. You said we get to be kids. Big that's kids. Great. Big kids, that's it. We're still big kids, yeah, bro. We have responsibilities. Awesome. We have I still, own houses, but yeah, it's just different. I look at, my wife says, she goes, I got three kids. Yeah. Because I look at clothes and I'm like, oh, that's a cool stuff. Dude, you're my still bleaching like, your like hair that? and I'm still getting tattoos. Yeah. I'm saying like, we get to do the fuck we want. We're so lucky. Yeah. I'm c- contemplating not bleaching anymore. I don't know. It looks good. You have a good head of hair, bro. Yeah. I always have hair envy on the pod. We talk about people's hair. <laughs> I'm about to tattoo the top. I'm about to shave my head and tattoo the top and grow it back out. Oh, yeah? This week, yeah. Good, do it. Because um, you got a full head of hair. You're not going to, you know. Thank You're not you, going to do like horns I, on your forehead. No, no I'm okay. chilling on that. Yeah, yeah. Um, isn't it crazy? So when you when you go back into normal society, like you're the dad, you play rock music to people. You have to take your kids to school or do that. It's so weird trying to be normal in society. It's hard to explain what you do. I play hardcore. I play, but what the fuck's that? It's hard to explain yeah. it. It's way more accepted now. It is. And, and our careers, like it we've is. seen in the past 15. But I can't, I can't see you like chilling with the dads at soccer and shit. Like I do. And you it, do, you, do you feel weird? Like you feel like I like. I don't know. I always felt weird. Like it wasn't like it makes like a normal dad. It makes me. I respect it, and I I know I've learned to not dislike somebody because they're different than me. But no, I know the totally. same reason we love, the same reason we fell in love with the underground scene. There's a new song on the record. I, I should have brought the vinyl for you, but I'll I'll send it over. Um, it's called Our Scene. It's okay. about falling in love like with the, the underground music scene finally finding a place that's your own funny yeah like family yeah. it's like you feel like you're an outcast you the, the people you hang with in high school you're like i don't like these dudes yeah. yeah i'm friends with them but i don't we don't talk the same language yeah i can't relate and, and and you feel like an outcast and then you go to a hardcore show you and you're suddenly like whoa i feel like i could be myself yeah, here with my, with my, my people yeah yeah. yeah yeah and that never changes so i guess now sitting at those those sports games and with people who don't listen to the same music aren't the same mindset I, I look at it the same way. Yeah, I totally. Like What's up, brother? How you doing? How you doing? Yeah, there, yeah, and there, and, and there's something cool that I was was kind of envious of, like just working a regular job at a company, getting full medical benefits, having a four hundred one k, whatever this, and just being like a normal. Then I'm like, I, I kind of like your life too. Yeah, like my, it sounds. We do have a lot. We get to travel and do what we love, but like. Just that leaving part, like leaving our family is the worst, man. It's just like saying yeah. goodbye, going to the airport, all that stuff. I get anxiety thinking about. I don't know. I said to my wife last night, I'm like, I love being on tour. I love meeting, seeing old friends, making yeah. new friends. But I don't want to leave you. I love I two years I've been sleeping in the same bed with you, and I love it. I, I can't wait until tomorrow night. I know. It's, it's crazy. It's, it's truth, you know? But this is what we do, though, too, man. I know. And it's like, we haven't had it for so long, you know? I know. And it's like now that she's probably like, oh, it's time to go. Like, I, I don't know. Moon's like, it's time to go. Like, been for two years like really <laughs> but now we have tours coming and i don't, don't want to think about them or like we talked earlier like if they happen they happen it's cool you know what i mean this is, here's a cool thing with your podcast you should ask every musician tell me the funniest thing your girlfriend or your wife or your partner 
said to you in this past two years about <laughs> get, leaving home? hundred percent. I, I, yeah, we're, we're very lucky. Um, okay. So listen, so we're going to go back to records real quick, but yep. killer be killed means to an end reborn in defiance, all those records, uh, uncivilization, you guys were still full time on those. Yep. Still going. Always full time. There was a crazy time during a record called means what became means to an end. Yeah. It's 2004, four, five. That's the last it came one. Out. Cause there's a gap between that for reborn. Yeah. Defiance. That was, yeah. You're right. That was the last but record. That record was finished way like 2003, but okay. we, we, we were making the record. We lost it. And it was like, the first record we What do you did. mean lose it? So like you know they say uh, the VH1 stories the lost tapes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was one of those stories. The dats, whatever, yeah. yeah. So we were copying everything. It was digital recording, Pro Tools. Damn. Danny and I opened it. We left underneath the Brooklyn Bridge in Dumbo for we were there for years. We went to Jersey and, and South Amboy. We both had houses in Jersey. And uh, while we were making the record, we just finished. Scott, uh, Scott Roberts was in the band. And we were backing up one hard drive to another. There was a big construction site that hit a sent a giant electrical surge while we were backing up a fluke a chance of a million it happened and it happened and wow. we lost everything the two hard drives blew it up it spent it set us back it's like six months we didn't talk it was devastating not wow. devastating we survived it but we it was like we were like evan wasn't around that much i knew it, uh, this is my during that making of that record i was like wow this is i thought bio was gonna be around forever i didn't make any investments didn't plan anything just yeah. property and, and homes he um so Evan was busy doing his life and we were growing apart we took like five or six months off to just we were just we were like what are we gonna do and my buddies got me a job with the the probably I've always been anti big corporations yeah huge like I said MDC like yeah one of the records is multi-death corporations but um so they got me a job with Coca-Cola what I had a new baby I had a new a wife a new home, mortgages. I was like, this bottle. You were this the Coca-Cola. That's crazy. I never knew that. Bro, yeah. It was rough. <laughs> you have to dress up and shit? Um, no, because, so, it's just like, this Let me funny find story. out you're wearing a suit and tie. It's no. so crazy. So, I, um, I got, <laughs> my buddy's like, because I was starting, I had a band with one of the girls from Kitty, and I, I was like, I, we're going to finish, we're going to wrap this up with Biohats for sure, but I need to pay, you know, I got bills, and like I said, I'll pay, pay I'll sell paper clips on the corner to Damn. feed my kids. So I worked with them. My buddy's like, come in the union. So I worked in the union side. And they were like, as long as you don't, you know, do anything really that bad. Is that Suicide City? That was when I started Suicide City. Okay, yeah, yep. yeah. So then, um, and then from there, um, I was with Coca Cola. Then I got in Blood for Blood. That's right. 2010, then, Blood for Blood. Yeah. Yep. Um, was it? That's what it says online, bro. No, I think it was earlier. This is your life. Okay, okay. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Anyways, maybe, I can't even remember. That's crazy. So, um, if it's online, it's true. No. <laughs> so, make but that list. was 2005-ish so, with Suicide City, I think. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Until t 2009, I think. Yeah. So, um, and then we, uh, so I was with them, and, and I remember Biohazard started happening, Suicide City started happening, and the studio that we opened up in South Amboy was, was starting to work. So, I had other sources of income that were starting to bubble, and I went and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore, but I knew, learned so much, all these great things from biohazard that I didn't know I had, they weren't like in school, you learn about business techniques, but I learned from experience. So I started fixing things. I was like 
do this. I'm like, why do you do At that? At Coca-Cola? Yeah. What? So all these guys in upper management were like, and I'm a union guy with the, with the shirt, with wow. the gray shirt with the red stripes. Much respect because I met a lot of great dudes there. But I was handing, like, people were like, excuse me, can, uh, can you hand me a two liter of Coke? I'm like, yeah, it's on sale, two for five or whatever. And I turn around and they're like, oh, aren't you the guy in Biohazard? I'm like, yeah. Do you want Diet Coke or you want Coke? What the fuck you want? <laughs> so, so make a long story short. Um, Holy shit. I was solving all these things and breaking records. Like, I'm like, that's stupid. Why are you? Employee of the year? <laughs> yeah, bro. Wow. Employee of the month. They tried to put me on a magazine. I, I don't want, I, no, no. I don't want my picture in a magazine. No I'm way. like, this is a means to fill a gap here. And then the manager, they kept that. Listen, don't be in the union. You have a, a future here. I'm like, no, I don't. But with the, you know, with kids and a mortgage, I own my daughter, own my daughter then, but a wife, she wasn't working. It was like, she was a stay at home mom. Um, and I was like, hmm. So I gave, she goes, give it a shot. Because you could do, you can, you, you're a musician, you're an artist, you're going to keep doing that. But you, you could, you're a good hustler, you can do both. How if, long you had been there at that point? So I was there for maybe six months. Came up fast, yeah. Yeah, and then they brought me over to management, like just threw money at me. And and then I started breaking records and doing all these crazy things. <laughs> wow, and that's then, pretty amazing, man. Yeah, and then the, the kid who got me in, one of the kids who got me in, um, he like jumped off the Verizon bridge. He was like, ah, oh, Jesus, he was, man. Committed suicide, had a real bad uh, opiate addiction. Fuck. So then I was like, you know what? It's not, this is a corporate life. I watched all these guys that I was working with, they're miserable. They're just, it's numbers. It's, they, there was yeah. no, there's no like passion behind it. I liked it because something new. And I was watching things that I learned with biohazard apply to the business yeah, world. It's great. Yeah. Business is business. So, it's cool you did that and have that in your life resume. Like, yeah. I went to Coke. And I killed it. I got employee of the month. <laughs> no, it's fucking amazing. Come where you came from. Yeah. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. still have the shirt, you think? No. That'd be sick. But I'm telling you, every time I see a guy <laughs> in, in a store somewhere Respect. with a coke, I like, fist bump. Like, Damn. <laughs> was that was that like a humbling experience working there? Was it like, did you coming from your life where of you were? I, I, Not that you weren't humble. I'm just saying just coming from that yeah, life and doing your own, your own boss and then having to have a boss. Yep. Damn. Dude, I, I, I suspend my boy Neil from Cutthroat brought me on into his company in the film industry and I was there up until like two months ago. Oh, wow. So I, for a year, because my, I made, during COVID, I came back from that tour. Yeah. I invested all this money into re, revamping the studio to bring it up to the modern times. Yeah. Changed every, it was. To modern I, times. I, yeah, I mean, because I was stuck in the, literally, <laughs> I was stuck in the 90s. Yeah. So I, all, everything from like, I don't know if you know much about CRM and funneling mm -hmm. and website sh crap. It's just like marketing wow. things to, that's like actually small, but it's technically a lot of learning curve. But the equipment upgrade was such, I had the best Pro Tools system and all this analog gear that you could get yeah. that I invested in over my years of Biohazard. I had to upgrade all the, the recording software, which is, it, it's, it's, it's expensive, man. Well, it was so much money. And I did that all after that tour. Okay. The world shut down yep. while I, after I dropped this dime on the studio and there's no work. Damn. Nobody could do anything. Yeah. I did the cut, the count time record. I was helping Neil write the cutthroat record. Yeah. And that count time record, which came out great, was the only thing I did during wow, the pandemic. Okay. So shout, shout to those guys on the tour as well. Yeah. Yeah. So great band. Check great, them out. Great kids. Yeah. Um, they, uh, well, adults, I'm sorry. I just feel old. I always kids. say that. Yeah, We're yeah. all big kids. So they, so uh, working on those records during the pandemic. Yeah. You put all your money into the studio. And, and then, bam. Firewater Studios, right? Firewater Studios. So Fuck. that, um, there was, you know, I could, I, no money to pay bills. 
we couldn't get any assistance. There was nothing. Um, I kept trying to apply for the business for the studio, and I couldn't get anything. And I was like, just trying to get reapply. The business loan, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I'm like, was it? I couldn't afford to pay more the the my nut at the studio, yep. which is a big nut. And I'm like, because this is also losing investing a lot of my sa- not a lot of my savings, but a yeah. lot of a chunk of change to do this. And um, my wife's like, what, what's going on? I'm like, it's all good, babe. It's cool. And like, it's cool. <laughs> Keep it calm, we, got, yeah. we got checks and, you know. And, yeah. And I was, then I started. Um, so I got a hole real bad. Neil and loved the brother to death for many reasons. But he brought me in at a time in need, helped me out. And I, I was able to work there in the film industry, worked on some great stuff, made some great dudes. And I learned another hustle. Yeah. But it was it helped me um, get back on my feet with the studio. And I, I made good there. And we're all good. That's I mean. Yeah, yep. you got you out of the hole. Got me out what of kind hole. of films you were independent films and stuff so he's got a it's called green business okay so it's he owns a company called real greens it's badass it's not as badass as, as his music because the new record the new countdown record a cutthroat record is awesome but um it's so we or he what they do is they rent like anything you see on tv film commercials tv yeah. shows anything that's green living or supposed to look like it's living ah. fake grass or whatever okay. there's a union for that okay so they rent they have to rent from companies that are union companies because the the film industry only and that's rents, him and that's him he and it's wow. he does great does a great job he this dude makes he can make we redid um a scene from the godfather um i don't i can talk about Wait, it. what's that for it's for a show called the offer okay but bro remember when when michael goes to Colleen goes to um, Sicily to hide out. Yes. He finds his girlfriend. She drives a car and, and it blows up. Okay. Do you remember that? Maybe, yeah. That's the scene you do. So we redo that whole scene. They built it from scratch. And that's I'm, exciting, man. Yeah, it's, it's cool. It's pretty cool. Really Especially cool. love the movie, too. It's, it's backbreaking work, but it's awesome. So you were there for about a year? A year, yeah. So now you're all good. Yeah. Now you're back in the studio doing all that. Yeah, yeah. And the record... The record's out today, so the record's out buy today. Buy my record. And what's the name Don't of the what's, the what's the name of the record? Where can people buy that? It's called Leaders and Liars. It's on AFM Records. You liars. can stream it everywhere. Um, if you go to um, BillyBio.com, you can get it on my link tree. All my Instagram, my social media has a link tree link. Just click on the link in any social media platform, and it'll take you to the, everything cool. And you can even buy my underwear. <laughs> that's a smart thing. I need I need to do that link tree a lot of people have that it's super smart because it connects you to everything yeah because you can only get one link on Instagram but yeah. you can always change it but people always remember that one link no it's super smart two other things I want to hit too you also had like some crazy industrial band called Viral <laughs> yeah. how do you know about this yeah the Viral band yeah um, that never came out it never came out okay we, we got we did a great record the guys I got them a record like a big showcase yeah. all these labels wanted them and the show was the last show before the pandemic oh, yeah, it's 2019 that's right that's right and they it got canceled Damn. they played a big i set up this big thing it was awesome lawyer like was, a showcase it was a big thing it was a big deal and then but we ended up going back in the studio doing an ep and i got um what's his name bob marlette i don't know if you know that dude mm-hmm. he's a producer did he's mostly known for um rob zombie okay but he does like tons of huge stuff he he fell in love with loved it and then they the manager thought it was like a famous rock it's a good dude great guy he was in a band called collapsing lungs I know Do you name. remember yeah, those yeah, dudes yeah, yeah yeah frankie viral so frankie now he does his solo thing they change the music and he's he it's like he's a great dude and i always support him but that music we made to this ep i gotta put out is it's it's awesome 
It's yeah. So it'll amazing. come out. It'll come out someday. Yeah. 100%. Okay. I'm. I'm actually when I get this Billy Bob, I'm gonna put my a little bit of energy. Focus into that. on that. Yeah. Not focus. I mean, I I wrote it and produced yeah. it. I'm not in the band, but it's it's kind of like a cross between ministry, Nine Inch Nails, and Misfits and Ramones. It's great. It's a yeah. great combo. And then also, I don't want to skip over Power Flow. You guys see two records out, the self-titled one, and then Choose Life, the t- 2017, 2019. Send Dog, Ray Downset, and Christian from Fear Factory. Yep. That, was a sick, that was a sick thing, too. Yeah, it's pretty cool. That was super fun to do, out. right? Yeah. You have another record coming? It's, we just finished it up. It'll be out later this year. Oh, wow. Yeah. So three records total. No, two. You, oh. I sorry. thought there was a self-titled that came out in 2017, and then it was Choose Life, no? No. Okay. Oh, it's an EP we did. I forgot Here about we the go. EP. See, Thank bro. you. <laughs> You're the king of music, dude. You know uh, you're on top. <laughs> yeah, of it. yeah, yeah. EP came out first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we did a um, we did a cover. Of, we actually did a cover of "Get Up, Stand Up" by Marley, oh, that's sick. which is awesome. But when I I did the version, it was it was going to be a Billy Bio version. Okay. And Sen heard it, loved it. And he goes, "I can't sing that though." I'm like, "Yeah, you can, bro." And I showed him. I I helped him sing a little bit. Yeah. And he pulled it off. So we put it out, but it hit. It missed the mark. Okay, I'll be. I'm straight up. <laughs> so I ended up releasing my version later. But but Send Dog was on a track on State of the World Address, correct? Yep. How it is? Yeah. So yeah. that that's that relationship in the '90s of hip hop and hardcore and punk was Cypress Hill was always in the mix with House of Pain. Those so. dudes, they're rockers. Yeah, and you that know? lasted. And that fast forward, you guys are doing a band together. I think that's awesome. Yeah. There's actually there's a the last Biohazard record we did was um, Reborn Defiance. Yep. There was a song. Send came in the studio. Yeah, he's on there. Yeah. Okay. Well, actually, we didn't put it on the record. Okay. We, it missed. I remember we were in the studio. Damn. and I'm, His voice I'm, is amazing. Yeah. I'm called Spade of Spade here. So Sen was like, I want to work with you guys again, but I wasn't part of the writing on the other one. I want to be part of you guys. I want to be there when you're uh. writing. I'm like, come on in, man. So he's in Vegas now, but he was he was still in LA. Came down to the studio. Danny, Bobby, and I were jamming in, in, in Sen. Evan's like three hours late. We get <laughs> we get this song banging. It's like Sen's like, yeah, yeah, I feel it. I'm feeling it. We all loved it. Evan comes in, we jam it, we play it, and he's like, I don't like it. He just because he wasn't part of the mix. God love uh, him. Okay. All due respect. But he kind of and Sen told me he goes, I watched him throw a monkey wrench into the into the mix, and the song never, not it's not Evan's fault, but it just didn't, you know, sometimes so songs, it never come out. It never came out. But <laughs> when Sen and, and Roy came to me and they said. Um, they're like, we got this thing going on. We want you to be part of it. Are you down? I'm like, listen, Biohazard, we just left the studio. I don't know what's going to happen. We were working on a record that we never finished. Yeah. Um, and I said, I want to do a solo record. And I, you know, I just had a, a, a boy, a new son. I have a family. I said, if I'm going to leave, you know, I want to leave. I'm going to, I can't be in a van again. I'm yeah. going to, I'm, I want to do it solo. But yeah. for a new band, I said, I'll write and produce you guys if you want. I said, because I love working with you, Sam. I've done anything in Roy. Yeah. I've known you since Downset. So shout out to Roy, man. That's how, that's how it happened. And then Sen and I would get together every night, every Sunday night after football. He'd bring his boys out. He'd bring like a case of beer. Yeah. They'd all smoke weed outside, drink some beers, and we'd write music. I'd play him songs. Cool. And that's how powerful it was put together. Okay. And then um, after that, we there was no name. And then, But the, one of the big songs in that record was a song called Where I Stay. And that song was... The beginning of this writing for Biohazard. Got you. So that song that we did with Sen, it was some of the lyrics, and I, okay. I used that as inspiration, and I started writing the song around it, and that was the first song I wrote for that. For ah, that all comes full circle, man. Yeah, that's that's pretty amazing. Just always create. Yeah, shout out to Sen Dog too. That's cool. We got to do some more 
rock kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Bro, he's him. So he loves I'm trying he loves to get him. And stuff, yeah, like, yeah. I'm trying to get him, Roger, and Freddie together because it's three Cubans. Damn. Send Dog is more of a metal dude and a hardcore dude than he is hip hop. He loves hip hop. No dish on that. Yeah. But he, he's more. He's a metalhead. Wow. His, he loves. I think Megadeth, Motorhead, and Iron Maiden are his favorite that's a, bands. That's amazing, man. Yeah. And then why why LA and when did you come here? Why did you come to LA? Two thousand eight. Married a beautiful, awesome, incredibly shout out to your wife, awesome um, friend, <laughs> my wife. She's Brazilian. <laughs> she got sick of the cold weather in, in in East Coast. Nice. And she's like, that's it. We go to Brazil. We go to Ooh. LA. I said, okay, we'll go to LA. Yeah, whatever you want. Happy wife, happy life. Yep. Um. So that's what brought you out to me. Yeah, California's the best, dude. It's crazy. There's so many East Coasters out here now. <laughs> I, know. I love it though, man. It's just a different way of life. I love the space. The, there's no winter, number one. Yeah. It's crazy. And if you want it, you just go to the mountains an hour away. Totally. Yeah. Um, uh, do you have any... Oh, wait, one more thing too. What, what, so I know the band broke up and you guys got back together and did that record, uh, Reborn in Defiance. What, 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 how'd that come together? Like, What made you guys... Because the last record was like 2004 or some shit in between. That was a long time. Yeah, so... What, what inspired that? I got a phone call from Rob G. Do you remember that dude? Rob G, yeah. Yeah. Calls me up. He said, hey man, you guys should do, you guys should get back together. I'm like, no man, <laughs> I got, I got all this stuff going on. Studios banging, you know. I'm with Coca Cola. <laughs> <laughs> but a real um, job. Yeah. No, I was like, you know, the Suicide City was taking off. All these things, I'm like, I, it's not my thing, you know. I, I just, there was too much negative energy, and it's such a beautiful part of my life. I want to leave it as it is. I did what I want to do in that chapter, yeah. and I moved on as an artist. And then I get a phone call. Yo, it's like a movie, like it's like yeah. Yo, Billy, it's Bobby. My Bobby, Hamble? He's like, yeah. How you doing, man? I'm like, yo, what's up, bro? How many years have it been since you talked to him? So, oh, years. Like him and I, Damn. were the only guys. And I think Danny bumped into him once, but like maybe ten years. When Das got in the band, we bumped into him. We we got some tickets to see Kiss. Yeah, Das from Rest in Pieces. Yeah, awesome. So um, he play, he played after he joined the band after Bobby. So when he, um, but I saw him a couple times, and we were cordial. We were cool. Like I quit Biohazard. That's what happened. People think mm -hmm. that we kicked him out of the band. I quit the band. I was sick of. He couldn't get his life together. He was going through a rough time, and we supported him for years. Yeah. Um, but when shit hit the fan, I I was done. I was like, that's it, guys. I'm out. I quit. I quit the band. Yeah. Byers was over. Um, Evan came over to my my place in 58th Street in Brooklyn. He's like, you got to do something. I know you're gonna do something new. If you whatever you're doing, I'm down. I'm like, all right, cool. Then a week later, Danny called me and said, I hear you and Evan are playing together. I'm like, yeah, we're gonna do something. I don't know what it is, but something. He goes, I'm in. Wow. And then Scott Coney was like, yo, you guys are doing something. Bobby's got his issues. Don't, and this is like, we don't, this is not a public thing. So I love okay. sharing. <laughs> it's a powerful thing. Yeah. So this is 95, pinnacle of our career. Bobby, um, so Scott, the record label, everybody starts putting stuff in our ears. And like, listen, he's got his issues. He needs to sort. You guys were there as much as you could. Personally, emotionally, spiritually, financially, everything, like yeah. try to help him out. And he's got to make that choice. This is, don't throw all your years of hard work away mm -hmm. because of that. I'm like, nah. And looking back now, because Blood for Blood did it, they were, they stopped touring when they were, like, just, they were the big, they're just making a lot of noise in the underground. Yeah. And then they went through their shit, their stuff, and they didn't tell anybody that they, they didn't break up, they didn't say anything. 
Yeah. And then when I got back together with when Rob was out, they, it was crazy. It was I, crazy. I played with you guys. Always crazy. Together. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, you guys. And I loved it. We played with them and you guys in yeah. AF before when Biohazard was still together at remember with Big Riot. Yeah. In Jer in somewhere in Jersey by South Amboy somewhere in. Okay, I think so. It was a big WUS some some no WST uh, uh WSOU and a big gymnasium a sports center. Oh, it was a while ago. I remember that. Yeah. So, yeah. um, where was I? So uh, get back together. I'm doing the new record. Yeah. So um, I lost. But was I talking to Bobby? Scott? Yeah, you're talking to Bob. Well, oh, Bobby's they, they gonna go out and take care of himself. Head. Oh yeah, yeah when Byron broke up. Yeah. So they basically like keep it together, and 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 then we talked. Danny and I were like, "Yo, we should do this." You know what I mean? There's a lot of people that like what we do. We got it going on. We love what we're doing. We worked hard. And I think they're right. But my point was, if we would have ended it there, come up with a different name, the legacy that we worked hard for with Bobby, that he was a big part of, it would have stayed. Gotcha. And and while we did things as a new name or whatever, yeah. which it would have changed everything about our career. Yeah. That legacy would have stayed there. It would have... It would have lost ground. It probably would have grown more. And then we could have got back together with Bobby because Danny and I always said, if, if when he gets his shit, his his life together, yeah. in a second, we'd, take, we'd bring him back into the band. And it took a long time, but it yeah. eventually happened in 2008. That's when, yeah, that's so what that's what, so um, that's how it went down. I think, you know, we, didn't, we never really aired our dirty laundry. No. Never had anything bad to say about Bobby. We just always showed him brothers, love and support. Man. Yeah. It's just, being in a band is like a dysfunction, dysfunctional family. You love each other. You bang heads. and you figure But out you make beautiful music together. And there's this gel and this chemistry. You can't have with anybody else, man. Yep. It's special. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's 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 beautiful. That's so so I'm going to put it out there that I, I would love to see all you guys together someday on the stage. I'm not saying it's ever going to happen. I'm not saying you guys want it to happen. I'm just putting it on the atmosphere because no people would love to see that someday for sure. Never I'm, say never, man. I'm, 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 I'm the only one. The guys love music. They all have their busy lives. I'm the only one who's still active making music and putting music out. And we left it at this. Like when we tried to make a record with Scott, that didn't work out. And it's been, uh, you know, since 2017 since that happened. I thought he did great, by the way. He, Scott was awesome. I thought he did great. Now he's got... Um, the take, the yeah, band right. take with Will Shepler on drums. Yep, sick. Loved Will. Um, and uh, since then, we've we've tried different ideas. Christian from Fear Factory was going to join, and then a couple other dudes, Rob from uh, Death by Stereo, all these ideas. And I kept bringing to the, to the ideas to Bobby and and yeah. Danny. And they and during the pandemic, we had it real heart to heart, and they were the basic consensus was, you know what life's way too short yeah if we're gonna do it let's get it together with evan yeah and, and since then we've all talked and rubbed, you know bumped into evan at different times in different ways so that um that book is not closed it's a big part of my life and that i would love to revisit not revisit but re-experience and do again you know yeah i think i think it'd be awesome it, it it's there's a it's It'll happen when the time is right, man. Yep. Won't be forced or anything and something's going to come up no, or we, something. We were never, we would have probably been way more successful if we were planning, planners. Yeah. But we weren't. <laughs> we were like a vibe band. Like when yeah. it worked, it worked. And it was never like there was no organization. We would have, you know, if we were organized like I am now. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Looking back on it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have yeah. any major regrets in your life? No, no, no apologies. No regrets. It's nice. You, it makes who You're you are. You're the first guest to be like, boom, like just on it with that. But our, I like that. Our the wins and the loses make us who we are. I love that. You know, it's it's, it's I look at it like 
it's easy to celebrate the successes in life. It's winning the lottery and losing the ticket and how you turn that into a win. That makes you a real love that. winner, you know? I love that. Yeah. Any of it, uh, what's your daily ritual? Uh, you a coffee guy? I, I teeter back and forth like you. <laughs> and I, I, we follow and I see the post every once yeah. in a while. I'm like, okay, he's on, I'm on. But <laughs> this, my biggest mistake now is falling in love because um, with, uh, not the Keurig, but the... Um, What's the machine we have? Something? Yeah, something. <laughs> it's the It's a daily ritual something we have every day. It's a higher end. It's a it's espresso. Oh, okay, it's okay. A, you have a machine in your house or something? Yeah, and oh, it's, shit. it's killer, bro. Okay. And and you know, that's the vice and So every it morning could be worse. You, every morning you have coffee, you work out, like what is your deal? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. You wake up pretty early? I I like to, but not today. What time's early for you? Like what time is Well, the kids. Sick. Uh, well, when I was working with Neil, I was like four o'clock. Damn. So I would have to drive up to Castaic, you know, with Damn. traffic. Yeah, but whatever. But do, what's your normal? You, you go to bed early. You like a late night guy. Um, uh, it depends where I am in life. Yeah, but working there, I was an early guy, you know, for the past year. But now, um, it's I regular, you know. And how many times a week do you do jujitsu? When I when I'm trained, I haven't trained. I blew up my shoulder. Okay, and so I'm waiting for surgery, and that's not a fun. You know, okay. It's a it's a bad place. So you've been chilling right now, not not yeah. doing it so much. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's rough because it's almost like it's an injury that doesn't stop me from living. You know, I can still. Want but you can't do what you really bathroom. love, your passion. Yeah, yeah. and it, for something that keeps me balanced, and it's how to mentally and physically everything. Um, so in like everything, life's a challenge. It's yeah. how you navigate those challenges. Um, so my, that's my normal ritual. It's getting up. Um, Taking care of the kids, doing some work, um, and then training. I usually train late morning, and then late morning yeah. my day. So I spend the stu- day at the studio, wherever else I got going on. And one of my final questions is: You consider yourself an optimist or pessimist? But you're super posy, man. Optimist, hundred percent. Yeah, you've yeah. always been like that through There's, all your everything. Your your partying, your dark days. You've always been like focused. It seems. It it I I lived a dark. I was I suffered from depression. I always had my whole life. Never talked about it, but carried around a lot of darkness my wife and there's a song on the new record called looking up and okay. I, I, I i sent it to you i, I would have loved for you to sing on this, this <laughs> chorus but it's about looking up yeah my wife you know she's like you always like you're always looking down and not, not just and not just metaphorically but physically like and and even though like i'm this kind of dude on the street it's that, that we're artists yeah and that i've learned that that cycle of of manic and depression um, ebb and flows of my life and most artists is what create gives us our creativity and it gives us our energy to create you get high off of that creation totally and then you're like yeah look what i did isn't this great it's the best thing since everything yeah and then you like and then it wears off and then you go into this thing but then you're super harsh on yourself yeah, so and critical. i don't i don't i never mess with like leveling drugs and Prozac, which I know people do yeah family members and it works for them that got that's great yeah but for me um, that's one thing she and God love my wife, not to say, call her she, um, but my wife kind of shed light on the concept of when you look up, you see way more in front of you and you see the beauty of life. Yeah. And so I started to come out of this darkness that I had inside of me for years that I didn't know. And even, even going through therapy before I got married and, and getting in touch with a lot of things about my, my, my inner crap yeah um help me be a better father be a better husband of course but there was still this thing and she 
helped turn me and, and it was tough. When we played together, I was in Blood for Blood, which was completely opposite of you guys and your, your yeah, yeah. vibe. Which I and I get and I love. I'm a big Carnivore fan, but a big Minor Threat fan. Totally. So it's uh, balance is good. But I remember I was on stage those guys loving it, and then watch you guys and it, there was something about that energy that that Blood for Blood is a different thing. Yeah. But I was in that mix, and and uh, all, also in a drinking phase too. So I okay. went off. That was another thing too, um, and and I was. I found myself even deeper trying to leave that shit behind me, part of mm -hmm. my French. But that helped me. And so the new song is about that metamorphosis. It's, the song is called Looking Up. And, it, and I owe a lot to um, having my wife help me turn 80% of my life that was misery and, and just sad and, and trying to find a reason to justify my yeah. sadness to, to flipping it. You know, yeah. to even ninety ten, and we all have issues. But of now course. I look at like that ten percent is what that juices my creativity. Yeah, that's a thing I cherish. It's not something that that ruins me. It doesn't yeah. control me anymore. You but know? you always you always seem like you believed in yourself, and you always had like a goal that you set for yourself and pushed yourself. You know, it's important. Your like, whole all life. the thing I marry all the work that you do, and that is an important message. I think having something to look forward to is important. Totally, it could be anything. I love tying my shoes in the morning. Great. <laughs> Beautiful. Totally, yeah. Do it with do it with passion. 100%. Tie that knot better than any knot yeah, you've fuck ever tied. That knot up. <laughs> yeah. You know, and and that's there's a lot of especially COVID. I think that 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 people suicide is high, highest yeah, it's really ever is, been. Man. And people need to have something, you know. There was a um the first song, oh, the song we did together, um, One Life to Live, which I found out later was is um was like soap opera. You didn't know that? No, dude. It's the first thing I thought when I saw it. Because our song is called One Life, One Chance. Of course. And then you wanted One Life yeah. to Live. I was like, I, I'm not, I, I'll, I, I, I'll call Space Bait. You're an you're inspiration. Okay, dude. thank you. So <laughs> I didn't know you didn't know about the soap opera. The song, no, I didn't. And, this, and One Life, One Chance, I knew about, I know about what you do. Yeah. But it didn't pop in my head. It was, I was in a uplifting mood. Totally, yeah. And making a song. And after somebody, when I first started doing, I think I dropped, that was the first single, did this great video I'm super proud of on my iPhone, one Saw shot. That, yeah, yeah. And um, somebody said to me, oh, like the soap opera. And it reminded me, my, I was a kid, when my mother was still living, she watched that soap opera. That's crazy, And that was man. the first time, I, and I'm like, oh. And it wasn't an embarrassing thing anymore. I was like, oh, wow. Hey, mom, love that show. Yeah, hey, mom. That's kind of that's kind of beautiful, actually, yeah. yeah. Wow. My mom, tell me when we gotta go, because I know it's you, all good. I go don't ahead. wanna take your day up. My, I worked with this new band called Black Earth. Great, great band. They're kind of like a stoner rock classic metal. It's yeah. Different than my normal stuff, but I fuck, I really love them. Sorry to curse a lot. But it's all good. So the singer Eric comes in, We and I, I get really close with my bands I work with. It's like I'm a fifth member. Yeah. With all, I let them do their thing, but I'm kind of like really in there with the creativity. So the singer is always usually the last one I get closest to, and it's always the closest relationship because that's when you really get to the heart and soul of the, the band. Lyrics, yeah, yeah, yeah. So him and I headed up. I recorded all the music. We really headed off well. It's first session. And then we took a photo. He went home. The second vocal session, he comes in. And he said, hey, I, I don't want to you know, cross an inappropriate line or a boundary, but my wife um, has, you know, she has this ability to... to reach people 
some people that aren't here and people that want to send messages. I don't know if that wow. freaks you out or scares you, but I showed her a picture of us. I'm like, go, oh, please tell me. And she tells me, I saw, showed her a picture of us and she said, immediately smelled smoke and suddenly someone appeared. I can't, oh, God, this is fucking rough. Wow. So she, uh, um, she, uh, <laughs> I've never seen this Billy from Biohazard cry. Sorry. Wow, this is heavy. So she's standing next to. She goes suddenly. Someone's standing next to me, and my mother wore glasses, but she was an actress, a singer, and a nurse, and she was super conscious about glasses. So she never took pictures. So wow. no one knows. Like so, she's like she's wearing glasses, she's smoking a cigarette, and she f- used to flick the cigarette with her thumb, and she goes she and she's and she's like, I've been waiting fa- waiting for this moment forever. Damn man. Um, Tell him <laughs> it's okay. I'm a, take your time. And you know, as as a parent, yeah, and your pop, yes, you, you not having them see what you become, but most important, what I created with my wife, yeah, my life, the good man, the good husband I am, the All good that. father that I am, the good kids that my, we're raising. So I believe she, your mom's watching. My dad's watching for sure. Yeah. So she um she said, tell him I I support him and I'm proud of him. Wow, man, it's fucking heavy, Dude, bro. Yeah. So she, um, and she let a couple more messages. She said, I wouldn't have chose the path. <laughs> and I think that's because of the dark things that I've done. And like mm-hmm. I mentioned them before. So those things, um, which I, as a parent, I understand. But, and then she, I got another message recently. And it's like, I just stopped w- working with Neil. And the message was, she, my, um, my, my, my from his Eric, mom to you yeah, yeah my, my boy eric's wife said please tell billy i got another message she, his mom came to visit me again she she sent me a picture of a ring she was wearing which is the it's crazy bro Jesus. it was the ring we bought her that you know it was a gift before she passed when yeah we were the kids but she said um she's the message was checkered flag wow that's like you you won you and won i took that i was like you know what i created Two, during the pandemic, besides the bands that I worked with, but this record, every record, your record, the Biohazard record, it's the second record that really makes makes you cut your teeth. Yeah. The first record is like you have your whole life to put it together. But that second record is like, it's when most people go, wow. Yeah. This is, everything that's good, you really shine in that yeah. second record. So this is my second record. It's This is not a marketing thing, dude. It's it's a real I deal. Know. I'm like trying to figure out what's the checkered flag. I'm like, I... It's a crossroads. Pandemic's over. Now we're horribly in, not to be negative, but what's going on in re- Ukraine. But the checkered flag is, is my mom's signal to me, like, you go, you know, pat in the back. Marathon know? continues, all that. Yeah. You know? Wow. Fuck, man. He's got real, that shit got real heavy, man. That's crazy yeah. about that, man. Sorry, dude. No, no. I'd love to find somebody who can send me a message from my dad. That'd be fucking amazing, man, you know? Connect me. Maybe connect me with that person. That might be kind of fucking heavy, man. Yeah. 100%, dude, as soon as I get off. All right, Billy. Fuck, that was two hours. That was your life. That was amazing. Um, I want to double check my notes. So One Life to Live, I'm on that. Records out. Um, Leaders and Liars. Super stoked for you. Glad to connect with you finally. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. We've been for fucking almost 25 years. Fucking. Yeah, the record's out. It's been 20. We've been friends since the Sick Roll Tour. Before that, we met. Probably we I probably met you like 89, 89, something like that. For sure in the scene, but when we spent time together, we on tour together with Sick Roll. Yeah. Fuck, Billy. Thank you for being here. Thanks we'll definitely do a part two one day. We talk about everything. Oh, if you had li- here's one last thing. Would you have to li- name your like top five? You have any top five artists? 
or inspirations? Bad Brains, hands down. Um, Led Zeppelin, Minor Threat. It's good so far, man. Um, Beatles. Woo, Beatles got in there. And Johnny Cash. Damn. It's trying to That's get one of the most diverse top fives ever. It's always changes because there's like top 50, right? That's great, so, though. So whatever pops in my head, you know. That's a good top five. I'm though. glad you didn't say if you were on an island. No, I do that shit. <laughs> um, all right, Billy. Thank you so much for being here. That was fucking awesome. Way overdue, man. Way overdue combo. Thank you. Like the thing about the podcast I love, you know people for 20, 25, 30 years, but then you really get to know them. We just have a fucking one-on-one. I love it. You know what I'm we saying? Spent too much, we spent a month on tour. I know. We are supposed to be on the same bus together. I know, I know. I, 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 two, two friends, I'm AF or H2O. I remember that shit. I know. But I'm saying, but this, is, this is awesome, man. I appreciate you, man. Thank you. And everybody can find you at Billy Biohazard on Instagram. BillyBio.com. Billy Biohazard on all social media. Thank you, brother. Bye. Hey, guys. We're back for part two. <laughs> you guys know I always do that. Every time we, the pod ends, sometimes the guests will mention something we forgot to talk about. I would say, oh, my God, I forgot that. But Billy's got a real quick story for you right now about Chuck D. All right. So we were talking about um, Paul Genemy, one of our favorite bands. Fear of Black Planet came out. It was probably at the beginning. Of our, our, we were just coming up. And I, that record was killer. But so as a fan, we got to meet Chuck and, and, and Flavor Flav when we were with Rush, I mentioned earlier. Um, but we reached out for one of the records. And I, I think it was State of the World Address, maybe. Um, and we, we reached out to Chuck to, to write the biography, right? His, there was, a, there was a, a small window where you had these famous artists, you know, write your biography or something yeah. about your band. It's and nice. we, I was like, this is going to be awesome. Evan and I were, we were all, excuse me, we were all super stoked about it. He turned us down. Oh, Bro, man. I, we were like, what? What do you mean? What? Just, how do you, how does it happen? Oh, man. And we, I never, we never got an answer. I think he was just, he just Maybe wasn't busy into or it. Something. Yeah, I wouldn't take it personal. I, I, yeah. He probably didn't we, we want, though. Probably like so bummy. He hates us. I don't know, but we, him and I are friends. He was with, you know, I spent a lot of time, not a lot of time, but. So um, you've seen him since then a bunch of times. Of course, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he was doing um, with, with, uh, with Be Real, so Sen and I were going oh, to see right. those guys. Oh, that's right. Or he'd show up at a time. Prophets of Rage, yeah. which was sick also. Damn, that's Chuck. It. It's sick. Um, all right. We'll, we'll be back for part two soon. We're just going to go strictly uh, hip-hop and everything else. Hip-hop and Carhartt. Okay, bye, guys. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. Um, please rate, review, uh, subscribe. If you haven't subscribed yet to this podcast, please do that. And whatever platform you are listening to this on, I'm glad you found me. You can rate me and review me on there also. So thank you guys sincerely for the support. I cannot wait for you guys to hear the next one.